It's Monday the something of April, or the 8th of April? October, my goodness gracious me. The 8th, something like that, I think. We'll get it verified later on when the tests come back from the laboratory. Plenty on the show this morning, including, as you heard there in the news, drivers failed to stop for Hertfordshire's lollipop ladies. Well, we'll be talking about that, but I want to know, do motorists do the same to you? Also, timetables change today for the three counties' trains. Why? All will be revealed in the next half an hour. And after Gary Barlow storms out of the X Factor, I'm asking, what have you walked out of? Loads of ways you can get in touch this morning. You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR. But I'd rather, and this is the best way, let's be honest, why don't you give us a call? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I had one of those weekends where I didn't get enough sleep. Not because I was doing anything exciting, I just couldn't sleep. So I got this chesty thing. So I was up all night coughing. I'm fine. The voice is, the voice is going nowhere, dear listener. I'm not, I'm not taking another day off this week anyway. Uh, but uh, th- just this irritating chest thing. And to make things worse, I put my back out as well. Look, here come the newspapers. Let's just cut. It is Monday, October the 8th. We can, we can verify that now. There you go. I put my back out. I'm in terrible... I, I'm only 39, but I, I feel I have the body of a, of a 69-year-old. Awful state of affairs. Now, if you're doing the school run later on with your children or your grandchildren, spare a thought for the lollipop ladies and, indeed, lollipop men. Some of those who help children cross the road in Hertfordshire are being... And I, I was surprised when I heard this. They're being verbally abused and harassed by drivers. These lollipop people, why would you do that? The county council says some motorists sit and rev their engines loudly as the pupils are trying to cross the road. Because, yeah, having to wait that 20 seconds is is a nightmare, isn't it? Well, a a, a campaign is being launched to raise awareness of the important role that school crossing patrols play in keeping children safe. Bill Brady is an independent road safety consultant from Bedfordshire. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. I'm supposed to be impartial in matters, Bill, but I'm I'm shocked and surprised by this. Why would anyone give lollipop ladies, and I believe there are lollipop men now in 2012, why would anyone give them a hard time? They do all the time, Ian. This Stop uh, Me Stop campaign was was brought in originally because of the amount of abuse up and down the country, and it's been running for a few years now, and bringing it in, because if you do something all the time, it, it, it loses its value, doesn't it? So do it once a year, just to remind drivers that these people are out there. If you think of it, what a job. You have to get up early in the morning, go out and do an, maybe an hour, go back home, try and fit in all your shopping and that, and come back again to be there for the afternoon for the kids coming out again. What's what's the going rate for a lollipop person? Like, I can't believe they make a fortune. No, it, it varies completely up and down the country. It's, it's usually over the uh, the ordinary average wage, yeah. you know, the, the, the lower wage, but it's not a very high amount of money. Bill, have you got any examples of the kind of things that uh, the, the lollipop ladies, and I, I, I feel awkward saying lollipop men, but the kind of abuse that they, they've suffered? Oh, loads of abuse. Uh, certainly in the area where I mainly uh, looked after these people when I was a road safety manager, we've had cans thrown off of buses at them, we've had... Uh, uh, bags of chips thrown out of buses. We've had drivers who've nudged right up behind their knees and tried to push them out of the way. All sorts of abuse which you wouldn't take if you were, you know, if you were an ordinary person. Bill, I'm, sc- I'm scratching my head here. I, why would anyone do that? They're helping kids, little people, cross the road. What, what's the problem? 
Well, the strange thing is that you would think that the people who do this are the people on the way to work um, who, who feel they're being held up. A lot of them that do it are the people who are actually on the school run themselves. <laughs> no, really? Oh, yeah. That's it, insane. Uh, the amount of times that I was wow. called out to, to mums who would actually park right on, on the edge of the curb where the patrol was trying to cross the children. So this campaign, uh, uh, um, uh, Bill, Stop Means Stop, that, that involves wearing tabards. Are tabards really going to help? They, they, well, certainly they seem to do. Um, I was one of the people in the country who, who actually got them first wearing tabards. There was a few counties that did it. And um, it just changed the driver's perception for a week a year. Mm. They suddenly saw something different. And, and this is the thing with, with all human beings, isn't it? You get into a sort of a pattern. If it changes, it makes you think for a little while. But if you keep that change for too long, then it becomes normal. In the last year in Hertfordshire, uh, Bill, five drivers have been prosecuted for failing to stop. All get, it's three points on the licence and a fine of up to £1,000, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, it sounds like a pretty strict punishment. Do, I, I, perhaps people aren't aware that that is the punishment. I think a lot of people are aware, right. um, especially if you read your highway code, which, you know, obviously a lot of people don't. But the strange thing is, if you think of it, uh, how big is Hertfordshire? A big county? Yeah, yeah. Five prosecutions in 12 months. It's not a lot, is it? No. You think more should be done? Yeah, we, we're always on... It, resources are stretched with everybody, including police. But the trouble is, a lot of these incidents... Uh, other people won't go witness, so it's the patrol against the motorist, and nine times out of ten, the CPS to say it's not worth taking a prosecution. Bill, I have the greatest respect for lollipop ladies. I remember when I was a child going to school, it was always a joy to see my lollipop lady, and we'd hold her hand and we'd cross the road and stuff like that. Can I say, though, I'm, I am slightly disappointed when you see them at pedestrian crossings with traffic lights. That's a little bit pointless, isn't it? Well, yeah, um, in, in, certainly in Bedfordshire, I took them all away from, uh, from uh, Pelican Light. Oh, good for you. Like well that. done. Um, so we just left them on roads where there was nothing else, or maybe occasionally a zebra. But doesn't it say something, you Ian, when it's not even safe enough to walk across a zebra without having a crossing patrol reinforced? That's incredible. Uh, Bill, final question. You know the uh, lollipop lady sticks? Yeah. You know the black line in the middle? Yeah. Could you tell my production team what that black line is for, please? Originally, it was to write down the number of any cars that uh, offended. <laughs> Thank you, Bill, because I told them all that this morning. They're supposed to have a little bit of chalk in their pocket, and then they write down the number plate. And I told my uh, team this morning, and they went, yeah, OK. But I'm glad you verified that fact, Bill. Thank you very much indeed. And listen, best of luck with the campaign. All right. There you go. It's Bill uh, Brady, who's an independent road safety consultant from Bedfordshire. The Black Strip. On the lollipop lady signs, they were supposed to, supposed to write down the, the number plate of uh, naughty drivers. I find that incredible. Now listen, I'm guessing we might not have too many lollipop ladies or men listening today. If we do, and you want to call in, you'll jump straight to the front of the queue. But uh, I think we need to widen this slightly. And as a pedestrian, as someone who crosses the road, have you noticed drivers not giving you the respect that perhaps you deserve? I have seen some terrible driving at zebra crossings where people just go straight through. Oh, the, the person's halfway across, I'll go straight through. No, 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 you wait until they're on the other side of the road in case they change their mind or they fall over. So it, 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 as a pedestrian, could you give me a call and let me know 
examples of where you have felt threatened by drivers. 08459 455 555. And if you're a lollipop lady or indeed gentleman, please give me a call so we can salute you and the good work you do. David Blaine's been stuck. I don't get David Blaine. He used to be a magician. Now he's just a man. He just does things. Do you remember when David Blaine came out about ten years ago and he was really cool and he would go around the streets doing car tricks and he would levitate? By the way, I can do that levitation trick. It's easy. But uh, he would do all these kind of... I can. He would do all these kind of cool things. And then the last things he's done, ever since he, he... About eight, nine years ago, when he went in that plastic box near the Thames, he's just been doing things. His latest stunt this weekend is he stands in a suit and gets zapped with a million volts. But there's a, a, a scientist, a professor, John Belcher, who's 69 uh, in the mail today saying there's no danger i'd do it so d- it's not a trick david Blake. go back to doing some wicked card tricks or something good morning this is ian lee it's monday the 8th of october 6 15 these are your headlines this morning on bbc three counties radio the government is being asked to look again at the controversial decision to choose a foreign firm rather than a british one to build a new fleet of trains for thameslink A 52-year-old motorcyclist has died in High Wycombe after hitting a large rock which may have been deliberately placed in the road. Sport in rugby union. Saracens beat London Welsh 28-23 at the Kassam Stadium in the Premiership yesterday. And coming up, falling leaves are delaying trains. Find out what I'm talking about after the weather with Steve Weston. And here's an interesting one. After Gary Barlow stormed out of the X Factor, I'm asking, what have you walked out of? 81333, start your text 3CR or give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. The overtones that you may be surprised to hear that song was called Gambling Man. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, plenty coming up on the show. I want to know, I don't want to talk specifically about Gary Barlow storming off X Factor, unless you want to, but I feel if we do that, we're falling for the hype machine that is the X Factor. It was staged. Of course it was staged. They would have rehearsed that in camera angles and everything. So if you want to talk about that, you can. But I do want to ask you this morning, what have you walked out of? Could be anything. Could be a job, could be a play, it could be a relationship, anything. 08459. Four double five five double five. Ah. Now, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you get the train to work, then be aware that your usual train might be running at a different time this morning. Why? Guess why? Yeah, falling leaves again. Is it nineteen ninety seven or something? The Great Northern Route through Hertfordshire, the Thameslink Route across Bedfordshire, and the Chiltern Service in Buckinghamshire all suffer through the autumn every single year. It means that some journeys will take longer, so timetables have been adjusted until December. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey is at Luton Station. Justin, but, mm. but, but, but surely they expect <laughs> it. I'm, I'm just, I, I can't You're believe... You're outraged, aren't you, Ian? I'm, I am outraged. I can't believe that I am doing a train leaves story in 2012. Yes, I know, and I think a lot of people would agree with you as well, but unfortunately, Ian, this is not something new. For the last few years, great, uh, first Great Western, well, they've been adjusting their timetables uh, during the early awesome months due so the falling of leaves on the line, as you mentioned. Now, it may seem like a trivial matter, but it can and has caused major problems in the past. Now, what train companies say is that fallen leaves, they land on the rail surface and they're crushed by the train wheels to form a thin but extremely slippery coating on the rail. Now, to draw a comparison to that, it's a bit like black ice on the roads. And they say, yes, while this is not dangerous, it does reduce the rate at which trains can speed up and slow down, which then, in turn, extends journey. Any time. So, as of today, until
until December the 7th. Uh, some services on both Thameslink and Great Northern Lines will arrive earlier to allow extra time for journeys and likewise Chilson trains that run through Buckinghamshire. They will also run a revised timetable, but there are no changes to Virgin services, which does make you wonder, well, if they aren't changing the services, why are the others? What train services are going to change, Justin, do you know? Well, the full timetable comes into effect as of this morning, and in most cases, thankfully, we're, we're only talking here about a couple of minutes, but a couple of minutes at this time of the morning can seem like an eternity of to course some it people. Can. So, for example, if you were getting a train here from Luton Station, which would usually leave at 6.34, it will now go at 6.32. So we're talking a two-minute difference there. And these but are the if, you, if you don't know that, mm. and you turn up, you, you, you know, you, your morning is timed so you get there 60 seconds before, yep. you've missed your train. Well, I did this uh, many, many years ago. I commuted into London, and even if the train was changed by a minute, that would make a big difference. Yep. You can only hope that they have been giving out information. So uh, services where timetables will be brought forward, we're talking on the Thameslink line here, the Bedford to Brighton service, which are course runs through many towns here in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. To give you a few examples, Flittick, Harlington, Lee, Grave and Luton. The Great Northern Routes, the Spalding to King's Cross service, lots of them here. Uh, a few again, Royston, Ashwell and Morden, Baldock and Letchworth and the Chilton Rail services will run three minutes earlier than normal on the Aylesbury to London Marlebone via Amersham line and then, well later this month on the 22nd of October, the London Midland route from Watford Junction to St Albans Abbey will all also run a revised timetable. So lots of change happening today and, of course, later this month. Justin, can I ask, did you call it the fall timetable? Is that the it's official called, term? Yeah, it's called the fall timetable, which sounds very, very posh. Well, it sounds um, American. <laughs> it's the autumn timetable, for goodness sake. And I hate to be all depressing this morning, Ian, but w- when you see this timetable, you know that winter is on the way. <laughs> oh, man, it was mm. such hard work getting out of my house this morning. Oh, it was terrible. Justin, thank you very much. Thank speak you. to you later on. Cheers. We can speak now to uh, Andrew Long, who is from the Bedford Commuters Association. Good morning, Andrew. Andrew. Good morning, Ian. I, I'm, I'm genuinely amazed and a little bit disappointed that in 2012 I'm doing a leaves on the line story. Surely we, we're beyond that. We're better than that, aren't we, Andrew? Well, yes and no. A lot of these locations are where there's trees by the line side, particularly in cuttings where they congregate and obviously they fall to the bottom, fall onto the track. And as Justin explained, you then get this build-up of this mulch. And, of course, the, the best advice we can give all passengers is all commuters, just go to your station two or three minutes earlier uh, because of these adjusted times to make sure you don't miss, miss your usual service. I've got two suggestions on how we could solve this problem, Andrew. I, I'm not an expert, as you'll probably hear in the next few minutes, but let me know what you think. We chop down all of the trees that are anywhere near a train line, or we use heated rail lines. Um, in, in terms of, of cutting trees down, I believe Network Rail do actually do trimming. Right. Of course, it's an environmental issue. Now, chop them all down. If they're slowing trains down, chop them all down, Andrew. In the spring, of course, you've got birds nesting, other things. Uh, so that's going okay. to, shall we say, concern the environmental lobby, quite rightly so. OK. And in terms of the heating of the rails, I think, well, it, it's not so much that that is the particular issue. Obviously, mm. when the leaves are crushed, it builds up a mulch. But one of the other changes that's happened with modern rolling stock is that it's got disc brakes. And the old British rail-type rolling stock had what they called clasp brakes. Mm. And the brake blocks ran on the rim of the wheel. Now, on a disc, they don't. They run on the face of the wheel like a car. Right. And that's one of the problems, because with the old brake block-type trains, they actually burnt it off. When, When the driver applied the brake, 
it's effectively that the brake blocks cleaned the wheel, not the rail, but they did How clean the wheel. How interesting, yes. Now, that doesn't happen, of course, now. But network rail have got some sort of leaf clearing well, and ice clearing trains. But the problem with that is if you send that one out first thing in the morning, as soon as three or four of the services have then followed it, you're really back where you started because the following train, shall we say, if there's further leaf fall, will have mulched the thing again. Right. So, shall we say, they're looking at it. that they, they, They've tried to solve this problem. But, um, Andrew, is this, is, are these changes, are they going to cause massive disruptions? It, it, in two minutes, it doesn't sound like much, but I, no, I'd imagine that that could no. be a problem for some people. It obviously could, and, uh, and as your colleague said, um, passengers really have just got to get up those few minutes earlier, allow mm. a little bit more time, uh, and, and hope that this thing res- resolves itself fairly quickly. I mean, we could have high winds, we could have every rain, and the thing could clear up, shall we say, quite quickly. Do other countries suffer like this, Andrew? Or is it just us? Well, it does seem to be a thing that's been prevalent in this country, certainly. And, uh, and the train operating companies, I think, do the best they can to adjust their timings. And obviously, uh, as was explained, the, the, the trains tend to break more slowly and accelerate away from stations more slowly. Mm. Hence, you're adding time into the timetable. So. Andrew, thank you very much. Andrew Long from the Bedford Commuters Association. I still think if there's a... Chop down all the trees, buy all the train tracks, then you won't have this problem. We can do that, can't we? That makes perfect sense. And, you know, birds nest. The birds will find other places to go and live. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to uh, give me a call. Oh, Davis texted him. Last week you had voice loss, now cough and back pain. You have a chest infection. Go and see your GP. Thank you, David. I, I, I might just do that. Don't forget this morning I'm asking, what have you walked out of? I'll tell you what I walked out of in a little bit. 08459 455 555. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or email 3CR at bbc.co.uk. We'll be talking about the Conservative Party conference, uh, more on the April Jones story, and young carers after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning to listeners, 6.32, Monday the 8th of October. Plenty coming up, including the latest on the April Jones story, the Conservative Party Conference, and I'll be talking to a young carer. But before that, let's have some music. The Icy Brothers, this old heart of mine. If you want to give me a call, 08459 455 555. The Icy Brothers, this old heart of mine. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's very, very early, isn't it? You don't need to be up. I need to be up. You don't. 08459 455 555. I'll be asking later on, what have you walked out of? But before that, a growing army of young people are carers for someone in their family. It's believed as many as one in ten, aged 16 to 25, are looking after a parent, sibling or other relative. Tonight, a Radio 1 documentary called Keeping Mum highlights the situation. It features uh, features Shani from Bedford, who cares for her mum, Deborah. She faces the prospect of going to university and leaving her mum for the first time. Here's the moment she finds out her A-level results. We're going to college, to the room where my A-level results are, (laughs) which will determine whether I get into uni or not. It means leaving my mum on her own in Bedford while I go off and live my own life. I've got a whole new basket of worries. (laughs) I'm obviously... Oh, dear. I don't know. It's another big step. 
but I don't want her to worry. I know she will, but I'm going to take the next couple of months just trying to prove to her that I am okay. Really. I've got three C's. I am officially in at Birmingham City doing... (laughs) (laughs) Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Please don't cry. Stop crying. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Well done. Well, she's got me a Skype account. (laughs) And she wants me to carry the laptop around so she can check that everything's okay in the flat (laughs) and that she can actually see me because obviously I can say that I'm fine and I'm not whereas if she can see my face she'll know if I'm lying I'm going to be worrying about her I'm not going to be here to nag her make sure she's okay and be in control of stuff that maybe mum can't take on but um, we're going to have to manage somehow I'm going to be fine Okay, I'm going to have a bit of a meltdown for a few days, but I'm going to be fine. (laughs) I'm going to be fine. Well, Dylan Cameron is 12 years old and cares for his mum. He's here with Martin Hill from uh, Carers in Hertfordshire. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. morning. Dylan, I've warned you, no swearing this morning, please. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Mm, I'm (laughs) I'm watching. Uh, Dylan, you you look after your mum. What's wrong with your mum? She's got ME and chronic fatigue. Right, and how does that affect her? Um, well, she can get viruses really easy, so she can get quite sick quite easy. Um, and she's always tired, so she can't do as much uh, and be walking around like a lot of people can. Mm. So what sort of stuff do you have to do for your mum? Um, well, like, sometimes when she'll need some food, I'll have to get up and make it, and she'll want tea and things a lot as well, and I'll be up and around doing some stuff for her. Are you, are you ever like, oh, mum, come on, I'm playing Xbox? Yeah, probably. Really? Like every, like every person sometimes. Yeah, of course, you're, you're, you're 12 years old, you're, you're allowed to be like that. What game are you playing at the moment? Uh, oh, best game I'm probably playing at the moment is Halo Reach. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Anyway, yeah. sorry, back to, back to the to, to focus on this. Yep. So, you're, uh, and, I mean, do you have to help mum with other stuff, like getting dressed, or can she do that, or...? She usually gets herself dressed, or my dad, Dan, if she needs anything as well, when yeah. I'm not around. If he's not at work, he'll usually help look after. He's my stepdad. Okay, and does he live there? Uh, sort of. He has a room, uh, room in another house as well. Right, okay. Um, with two ladies, but he generally stays with us a Okay, lot. okay. Um, uh, and do you get any support for your help with mum? Mm, from my dad and sort of from young carers as well, I would say, because it's just a chance to relax at young carers, and it's like, with my stepdad, he'll help out a bit as well. So, uh, And can you talk to your friends about this? Is this something you talk about at school? Because I'd imagine they think it might be a bit, a bit weird. Some of them, but some people at school, I wouldn't speak to it about, not really. Martin, uh, carers don't often realise that they're carers, do they? Because that's kind of the culture they've been brought up in. They don't realise actually they're doing something quite special. No, definitely. Um, There's a a lot of young people out there who just help their their mum or dad or brother or sister. And that's just something they do. Mm. It's, it's, uh, you you know, I think it's an automatic thing that for children to do if they've got someone in their family who needs um, some support Mm. to just be there, be there and do it. What uh, describe the kind of help you give to to young people like Dylan? Okay, oh, well, um, Carers in Hertfordshire ran um, a young carers support group, mm. uh, which we run on a fortnightly basis, and is aimed at supporting people like Dylan uh, who care for other family members. Just have some time out from their caring role to meet other young carers in the same position, so mm. that they can talk to them about anything that they 
they, they might want to do so or um just have fun really just t- take some as i say take some time out spend some time with other young people having fun hopefully <laughs> do, we, do yeah. you have fun Dylan, 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 <laughs> yeah. martin, martin hasn't got his headphones on he can't hear us <laughs> I, is, is it fun or is it a bit naff it's quite fun yeah, yeah. It's, it's what kind of stuff do you do there well sometimes we'll go out and do trips and things like last year we went bowling and we've done a lot as well um, are, are you any good at bowling I love it. <laughs> I won. I won. So, sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm rubbish. I love bowling. I'm rubbish at it, but I do I'm like it. I'm doing it for my birthday, so... <laughs> Can I come? Yeah, sure. Sweet. I'm going to a 13-year-old birthday party. It doesn't get any better than yeah, that. Yeah, I'll be at the uh, Bollywood... Don't, don't, don't <laughs> tell everyone. It'll be like one of those Facebook parties where 15,000 people turn up and trash it. No, don't tell oh, them. Well. Keep oh. that secret. Oh. So what kind of other stuff do you do there? Uh, well, God, we do painting, we do cooking, we do... So you do loads We of, do lots. A lot of stuff. Lots. And how did you kind of link up with the carers in Hertfordshire? Uh, well, initially, my mum found it for me, and she signed me up uh, for me. Oh. And Martin, how did you get involved with all of this yourself? OK, well, when I was uh, about Dylan's age, I was a young carer myself, mm. but um, back in when I was Dylan's age, um, there wasn't any support I'm not, out I'm there. I'm not saying anything. I'm no, not saying no. anything. <laughs> um, but there wasn't, there wasn't the support network out there that there is today for, yeah. for young people who help look after a parent or carer. And I just wanted to sort of give something back and... Uh, it was something that was really interesting to do for me, mm. offering young people the chance to get some support for the, the work that they do at home, which is, in my view, above and beyond what a child should have to do. It's, uh, of course it is. It, it's, it's something that is a big responsibility. Um, they, they enjoy doing it, but I think it's important that they do get the support to, to help them and other support coming the in. The parents who are being cared for, how willing are they to ask for help? Because, I'll tell you my story, my mum is very ill with MS, and I I left for university, I know that if I'd have stayed and didn't go to university, she was just well enough that I could leave then. If I'd have stayed another another year, I would have found it very hard to to leave. Uh, And she was terribly bad at asking for help from me, from people around her. So how did the parents ask for help? I I think... In, from young carers' point of view, it, it's slightly different because parents tend to not want to ask for help for themselves, mm. but don't tend to mind asking for help for right. for their child. And I think sometimes that's the way in mm. for for parents. Actually, if we can support the children, and then obviously that gives them the opportunity to think actually there is some support out there. Mm. And as carers in Hertfordshire, what we try and do is not only support the child but support the rest of the family as far as possible as well so so we're we're looking at it from a sort of holistic family approach Mm. and as i say it's it's really good to support children like dylan dylan i'm gonna ask you a question yeah do you ever resent your mum not really really no No. do you love your mum yeah mums are are pretty cool aren't they my mum my my mum's a pain sometimes i'll be honest but everyone's is but 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 she's still wicked she's still i'm 39 years off uh, years old she still tells me off if i if i mess up so that doesn't change whatever (laughs) that never changes no uh and do you ever feel uh that you are missing out on uh uh, childhood i guess do you ever feel you're 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 not able to do some of the things that your mates can do um no not really because when i can't do some things i get to do some things that other people can't it's like my mum does do a lot for me as well it's like she's got me into a lot of activities i do archery for one wow uh i do pyography which is like wood burning sorry so you can you burn what? patterns into wood and leather and Hang, things wh- what you've just made that up pyography no 
That's not a word. Yeah. Of course it's not a word. I've never heard of it. Yeah. So, so your mother encourages you to go around burning bits of wood. <laughs> 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 so when you put it like that, it doesn't sound quite so safe, does it? Uh, no, it's quite controlled. It's basically okay. a hot, hot pen. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds awesome, but also incredibly dangerous at the same time. Well, so, yeah, it's, it is quite safe when my mum's around. I'm always with an adult. I'm always, okay. always in the well-adult area and everything. Good cook? Sort of. If, 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 if your mum was here now, she said, go, 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 Dylan, could you go and make me something to eat? What, what would you rustle up? What's your speciality? Uh, I don't know. Depends what there is. Cheese sandwich? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I think I could do a bit better than that. I'd do free tech at school. All right, calm down. I'm <laughs> Dylan, uh, listen, so nice to meet you. Best yep. of luck with what you're doing. Lots of love to mum. Yep. Uh, and Martin, thank you very much for coming in and, and, and keep up the, okay. the good work you do. It's Dylan Cameron, spelt D-Y-L-A-N. I should let everyone know because he's, <laughs> he's stormed in. He's had a little uh, diva hissy fit. <laughs> They've spelt my name wrong. Uh, and Martin Hill from Carers in Hertfordshire. You can hear the Radio 1 Stories documentary Keeping Mum tonight at 9pm at uh, BBC Radio 1. 6.45, Monday the 8th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is being asked to look again at the controversial decision to choose a foreign firm rather than a British one to build a new fleet of trains for Thameslink. Plans to cut a further £10 billion from the welfare budget by 2017 will be set out by the Chancellor George Osborne at the Tory conference today. In sport, Luton Town will learn their first opponents in this season's FA Cup later this morning, when the draw is made for the fourth qualifying round. And coming up, I'll bring you the latest on the disappearance of April Jones, the five-year-old who went missing in Wales. BBC Three Counties Radio. But first, should have a little bit of this. Why not? Be rude not to. Boston, more than a feeling. Boston, more than a feeling. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up um, throughout the rest of the show here until nine o'clock. Don't forget, I want to know, when was the last time you walked out of something? What have you walked out of? Could you let me know? 81333, starting your text, 3CR, or give me a call, 08459 455 555. Now, it's a week today since the disappearance of the five-year-old schoolgirl, April Jones, who went missing from outside her home in the Welsh town of McKinleth. Later on this morning, 46-year-old Mark Bridger will appear in court charged with her murder, as well as abduction and attempting to pervert the course of justice. At the same time, the police search for April will continue, with 100 specialist officers now involved in the operation to find her. Our reporter, Gavin Lee, is in Aberystwyth, where Mr Bridger's appearing in court. We can speak to him now. Good morning, Gavin. Morning, Ian. First of all, tell us about the latest developments in the search for April, because police efforts are stepping up, but the mountain rescue teams have, have stopped. Why? Yeah, well, the, the police are saying the, mount, the mountain uh, rescue efforts have had to stop because the search and rescue teams have really exhausted their skills that they're best search, uh, suited to because throughout the whole week they've been based a few miles from here. I'm in Aberystwyth, as you say. McCundleth is only uh, 15 miles or so from here. And they've been based at the leisure centre there, coordinating the searches in the mountains, in the River Dovey as well. And these are people who have given up their time. Bear in mind they're unpaid volunteers. And they've said, you know, literally they've exhausted everything they've had to do, but they will be on hand, they say, if the police require them to come back. The main focus now has shifted again then. So we had volunteers from all over the country helping um, you know, last week, and then the, the mountain rescue efforts as well. Now it's all about the specialist police teams going today 
within Macundleth really itself, focusing on the, the town centre, and they've doubled their search efforts. There's a hundred specialist officers, and it's quite hard to see, and I must say, I watched them for a while yesterday. You see them looking through bins, li- lifting the lids of drains, looking down there as well. That will continue today. Powerful image yesterday of uh, so many people standing together, parading through the streets of the town to show support. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Yeah, well, because before the church service, the godparents of some of the family members asked as many people who wanted to come to be united together, to come to the estate where the family lived, to walk to the church service together. And to see that was breathtaking because you have this very small town surrounded by beautiful countryside. And there's only about 2,000 people in the town. And there were hundreds upon hundreds who were walking together very quiet, slowly, with so many people in pink. Pink t-shirts, pink ribbons, pink bows, this colour that's become uh, united in the search to find April. And I must mention also, I was in on Friday, Birmingham, and on Saturday in Blackpool. Both of these places, I saw groups of people walking around with T-shirts with April's image on, and underneath written, have you seen this girl? So they're huge, you know, not just in McConaughey itself, but, um, you know, UK-wide show of support by people. Very quickly, we, uh, Mark Bridger, the man in court today, he faces three charges in connection with her murder, doesn't he? Yeah, well, the CPS, the Crown Prosecution... Prosecution Service in Wales believe that they have enough evidence to continue the, um, the, the judicial process in court today in Aberystwyth. He's charged with murder, abduction, attempting to pervert the course of justice, so they believe and they allege that he is blocking the investigation. I must say, at the same time, at 10 o'clock this morning, the police investigation starts a few miles away, as I say. 18 specialist police teams working one week on to try to find April. Gavin, thank you very much. Gavin Lee, uh, our reporter in Aberystwyth, uh, on the latest on uh, the April story. Now, it's the start of the Conservative Party conference, which means most of the three counties' MPs are in Birmingham. Let's speak to 25 uh, Lucia Hodgson from Milton Keynes. She works for two MPs and is attending the conference for the first time. Good morning. Hello. Why are you going to the conference? Uh, well, as you just said, I work for two MPs, so I'm very busy, um, and I'm here to support one in particular who's speaking at quite a lot of events at conference this year. Uh, now, what, what, it's your first co- uh, conference. What kind of things are you expecting? Um, well, I'm here really, hopefully, to learn an awful lot. Um, there's so many things going on, um, and I do research specifically in early years intervention, and I'm really hoping to go along to a lot of the things uh, run by kind of four children, save the children kind of things, um, addressing that area. So I'm hoping to learn a lot and just um, soak it up, really. What does early intervention mean, Lucia? Um, It means kind of shifting the focus away from uh, the nursery years to look at um, the the very earliest years, uh, naught to two, and kind of introducing things that um, readdress the relationship between sort of um, a baby and their caregiver, uh, specifically when there's problems in the relationship, basically. Hey, you know that some people don't read to their babies? Don't you find I, I find that amazing? that that They don't read to babies because they won't get it. Of course they'll get it. Well, yeah, and this is kind of one of the even very basic things that early intervention is about. And, uh, you know, reading to a baby increases its vocabulary when it's older by kind of an amazing kind of percentage. And so, yeah, um, looking at things like that, basically. I wish everyone would present their cases like that, with your stats, an amazing percentage. But it's true. I, it, it seems obvious uh, uh, to me. How is the research being presented? What, what, what's happening at the conference? <laughs> Uh, well, it depends what kind of event you're going to, um, but a lot of the fringe events that I'm going to, you'll have kind of um, three or four speakers on a panel. Um, for example, um, later I'm going to an event with Graham Allen, who's a, a Labour MP, um, along with kind of a couple of charities. 
Um, and it, it depends what's going on for them. They might present uh, findings of a new report. They might just state the case um, for early years intervention or another research area if it's something different. Is this research, I mean, to me it seems like common sense, but obviously it isn't because a lot of people aren't doing kind of the, the stuff that I guess you're alluding to. Is this going to have any effect on government policy? Um, well, actually, hopefully, um, you know, the government will turn their, their interest more towards the early years. Um, there is an early years intervention grant, um, and obviously my job and other people with an interest in early years intervention will be calling for an uh, increase or better use of the early years intervention grant. Have you been told what a Tory party conference is like, Lucia? Uh, yes, I've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> what what stories have you? I've, cause I've been to I've been to all of the conferences one year, and uh, it, it was they were quite eye opening. Yeah, I mean, I think from what I can tell, it's a chance for a lot of people to let their hair down. Um, at the end of the day. Um, but I, of course, am here to work, so... <laughs> oh, come on. You're 25, <laughs> Lucia. You're going to be doing what everyone else is doing. I'm not going to say what that is, because it, who knows? But you're, <laughs> yeah, what is that? I don't know. There is, there, there is kind of a party atmosphere. After 7 o'clock, the, the bars are quite packed, aren't they? Fairly, yeah. Um, and I think it's, like I said, it's a chance for people to let their hair down. And But also, um, I mean, I'm really new, so for me it's a good chance to get to know people and, and kind of make some friends as well. Uh, going off on a tangent, uh, the, the Chancellor George Osborne wants to make it harder for under-25s to receive housing benefit. You're 25, what do you think of that idea? Um, oh, well, I'd probably have to read more about it before I comment on it. Um, so I'm not too sure about that, I'm afraid. Okay, it's going to be the hot topic at the conference, so I suggest you go and read on it. Well, it's early enough to, so I'll, I'll turn on it. <laughs> Lucia, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Good luck. There we go. It's uh, Lucia Hodgson from Milton Keynes, who works for two MPs, and she's attending uh, the Conservative Party conference for the first time. I've been to those conferences, and <sighs> yet they are kind of dull in the daytime, if I'm completely honest. But in, in the nighttime, it all kicks off. There's all, there's all kinds of parties and bits and pieces and things going on. It's, uh, it's a strange... Environment. Should we have a quick look at the front pages of the newspapers before uh, we, we go to Catherine and um, and see what's happening? The Guardian. Os- and this is what we were talking about just there with Lucia. Osborne seals deal for £10 billion welfare cut. Tories claim Lib Dems have agreed to plan provided rich are targeted next. And one of these big things is stopping housing benefit for the under 25s. Now, if I hadn't have had housing benefit when I left college, I wouldn't have been able to uh, live in London, uh, I wouldn't have been able to follow uh, my career of choice, and I would probably not be sat here this morning. Uh, I owe all of these chain of events to being able to sign on, get my job seekers allowance, and uh, having housing benefit under the age of 25. And I've more than paid back, more than paid back in taxes what I took out. Um, <clears throat> let's have a quick look at the, uh, the Times. Go green or we quit, firms tell Osborne. Energy chiefs threaten to cut UK investment. Uh, there's a picture as well of the, uh, search, uh, of the, the parade, uh, in Wales, um, to show so- solidarity for April Jones and her family, and tax breaks found at the bottom of the sea. I'll have a look at that later on if I can be bothered. The Independent. Welcome to the Nasty Party Conference. Mass rally of Tory members to protest against gay marriage. Conservative leader backs reduction in abortion time limit. George Osborne to slash welfare spending. Uh, And vaccine breakthrough may mean no more badger culls. The Daily Telegraph. Boris goes to battle for the ignored middle classes. Um, and there's a picture of Samantha Cameron. I have to say, you, you, you ever get an odd crush? I've kind of got an odd crush on, on Samantha Cameron. I know. I had a similar odd crush on, Sh- uh, on Cherie Blair. 
I know, I know. Maybe we'll do that one day. Odd crushes. Uh, the Daily Mirror, BBC snubs Cameron over Saville sex abuse probe. PM's call rejected as two more stars speak out. Basically, David Cameron wants the BBC to do an investigation. The, the BBC are handing it, I think, all over to the police. The Sun campaign strips Savile of Sir, uh, the Daily Express. Isn't it interesting how last week we were talking about what if, maybe, and now it seems pretty certain that Jimmy Savile did these things. Tories to launch war on Workshire and jobless with big families could lose benefits. Those are your front pages. Thank you very much, Sophie. In the next hour, plenty more, including what did you walk out of? I'll tell you my story in a little bit. 08459 455 555. More after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Let me, let me just set the record straight there for a second. What seemed like a highly inappropriate laugh at that gentleman's um, revelation that it was uh, mums and dads on the school run that were hassling lollipop ladies was out of pure shock, not because I found it amusing. Don't go getting, don't go getting upset and complain to Ofcom at my insensitivity. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Monday the 8th of October. The 8th of October. Then it's November, then it's Christmas. Can you believe it? Plenty coming on the show this morning, including Hertfordshire's lollipop men and women are being verbally abused by drivers. Uh, are you, as a pedestrian, have you been hassled by drivers? Are you finding them less patient? 08459 555. Your train to work may be a couple of minutes earlier than usual today. Why? Find out in the next half an hour. And did you watch Strictly Come Dancing over the ye- weekend? I didn't bother. I didn't need to, because ten-year-old Gracie from Stevenage did. And she's going to give us her verdict a little bit later on. BBC Three Counties Radio. I did watch that Beatles documentary about the making of Magical Mystery Tour. It was a fantastic documentary. I didn't think there was any more unseen Beatles footage, but there was. But it, it was also a bit of a con, because it made you think that Magical Mystery Tour is actually a good film. It's not. It's not. It's un watchable it's awful terrible badly ma- it's awful film but the documentary made you think oh i might watch that it's awful um also x factor on uh, the weekend i didn't watch it even though my friend mel is on it but I, I didn't watch it gary barlow stormed off in a spontaneous display of anger come on you know these things are are put in to make it more dramatic but i want to know what have you walked out of I walked out of a Beach Boys concert once, not the last one I went to, because that was brilliant, but the one before that, I was in the second row, and I walked out during Good Vibrations, just because it was so awful. There was one Beach Boy in there, they had the the gall to call themselves the Beach Boys, and I said to my wife, do you know what, I I can't stomach this, this is, this, I I, I swore, I said, this is awful, And, and we walked out of the Beach Boys, and very expensive tickets as well. Oh, they're expensive. What have you walked out of? Oh, eight four five nine, four double five, five double five. Now, if you're doing the school run later on with your children or your grandchildren, spare a thought for the lollipop people that you see. Some of those helping children cross the road in Hertfordshire are being verbally abused and harassed by drivers, or the drivers are failing to stop. Last year, five motorists were prosecuted for failing to stop. All received three points on their licence and were ordered to pay fines and costs of as much as £1,000. Now the County Council is starting a campaign to raise awareness of the important role school crossing patrols play in keeping children safe. Earlier on, Bill Brady, independent road safety consultant from Bedfordshire, told me about the sort of abuse that the workers encounter. We've had cans thrown off of buses out and we've had... uh 
bags of chips thrown out of buses. We've had drivers who've nudged right up behind their knees and tried to push them out of the way. All sorts of abuse which you wouldn't take if you were, you know, if you were an ordinary person. Bill, I'm, sc- I'm scratching my head here. I- why would anyone do that? They're helping kids, little people, cross the road. What, what's the problem? Well, the strange thing is that you would think that the people who do this are the people on the way to work um, who, who feel they're being held up. A lot of them that do it are the people who are actually on the school run themselves. <laughs> no, really? Oh, yeah. That's the, insane. Uh, the amount of times that I wow. was called out to, to mums who would actually park right on, on the edge of the curb where the patrol was trying to cross the children. It was a laugh out of shock, dear listener. Well, Terry Juris is from Hertfordshire County Council. He joins you on the line now. Good morning, Terry. Morning, Ian. Terry, what exactly are drivers doing? What examples have you got? Well, I think that there's a range of examples. Some drivers are abusing the uh, lollipop uh, people. Some of them are actually driving around them when they're actually crossing, and uh, and that brings danger to the children and, indeed, adults as well. Um, and also they're just driving up to them in a very fast manner in a fairly harassing manner how many first of all do you know how many lollipop people there are in hertfordshire oh gosh uh, i'm afraid i don't but it i know it runs into the hundreds and, and how many complaints are being received there's only a small number of complaints, but uh, I, any number of complaints is a number too many. Well, you're right. I mean, it, they're doing a very worthwhile job, and more importantly than, than even the lollipop lady, they're kids. It's, it's kids crossing the road. I find it incredulous. Well, it's that, kids and parents yeah. as well. I, I find it amazing that anyone would, would, would do this deliberately. Well, so do I. I think anybody in their right mind wouldn't do it. It may be, of course, that they've, they've left late for work or late for school, and what we're asking people to do is just take a few minutes more, give themselves a couple of minutes extra journey time in the morning so that they don't sort of get themselves wound up into a, a, a state that they are going to... Because uh, it's, it's really a bit like road rage, isn't it? Well, exactly. I mean, uh, five drivers uh, were prosecuted. doesn't seem very many. Terry. Well, I think it's probably not very many, because I think that probably lollipop uh, ladies and gentlemen can think of themselves as being there for the benefit of the children, and, and perhaps by the time the, the moment has passed, um, they haven't got the number of the car. But if what we're doing is we're encouraging people, if they do see something like this, to get the registration number of the car and report it. What does the, the, the campaign involve? How does it work? Well, it, all it is is if they see something, they can send a, uh, a tweet um, at uh, hashtag stop for the lollipop. Stop, the, stop for the lollipop. Uh, that's right, stop for the yep. lollipop. Um, or they can actually email um, at school.crossingpatrols at heartcc.gov. UK and that in, if you do that you can get a sticker it's, it's as much as anything reminding people just to take a bit more time and be courteous and not to harass the lollipop ladies and gentlemen Terry, no one's going to want to do that for a sticker though are they? Well you never know I mean, listen, I'd love a sticker, my little boy would love a sticker, but that's not going to prompt me to go, oh, I saw someone driving fast towards a lollipop lady, there's a sticker on the graph. Don't you need more of an incentive than that? They're not going to do that for a sticker, but they are going to do it if they think that their child might, if they were crossing the road, and I know of a child um, where the driver perhaps was a wee bit close, um, just nudged the child and the child fell over. It happens, that's the problem. And I, I would rather 
Um, let people phone up for a sticker. I would rather... Hertfordshire's actually been doing this. Um, it's not something that we've just started doing. Yeah. We've been doing it for about the last 10 years, um, both ourselves and within the east, east of England. And it, it's the very fact that there's only a very few number of people prosecuted is, is a testament to the success of it. But it's one well, too many. On. Terry, is it a testament to the success of it, or is it showing that the whole system is failing? It could be read the other way, couldn't it? That not enough people are getting caught. Well, you can only be caught if you're if you're uh, reported or seen. We That's heard the, the problem. We heard that the, 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 from a gentleman earlier on that perhaps part of the problem is that the lollipop ladies they kind of think, well, there's no point in me complaining about this because nothing's going to be done. It's my word against theirs. Mm. Is that a problem? Uh, I don't think it is. I think, incidentally, I think you have to be a wee bit careful because uh, the school crossing patrol, as they're officially known at my local school, is is a very, very well-known gentleman. So they're not just ladies who are these lollipop folk. Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. Terry, oh, yes. listen, thank you very much. Terry Juris there is from Hertfordshire County Council. Excellent campaign. I thoroughly support it. Big up the lollipop, ladies and gentlemen. I question the reward of a sticker. I, you know, I kind of, a sticker feels a little bit, um, well, not really a great incentive. Surely the incentive should be that we're, we are protecting children and we're protecting people who are doing a fantastic job. I mean, lollipop ladies, lollipop ladies and gentlemen, they do a great job, don't they? They do a superb job. A sticker? Would you really send an email or a tweet for a sticker? Oh, eight, four, five, nine. Four double five, five double five. Our reporter Justin Dealey will be doing more on this story later on. Justin, whereabouts are you going off to? Yes, hello, good morning, Ian. I'm off to uh, Watford. I'm going to be outside the Orchard Primary School on Gammons Lane there. And I know that you're shocked by this report today, but I, I have am. to say it doesn't shock me because my mum used to be a lollipop lady. Did she really? She did. How so fantastic. I have seen it all. In actual fact, it was quite terrifying. And we're talking here about the days before mobile phones. And mobile yeah. phones behind the wheel clearly a, a big distraction. But every Every day there was something. You mentioned people revving up their cars by a lollipop lady. Seen that. But um, the most terrifying thing for me was when this car came around the corner. And this was right at the end of my mum's shift. And this car was probably doing 50 miles an hour in a 30 mile an hour zone. My mother is in the middle of the road with her lollipop. And this car has completely ignored her and just driven straight through. And this car must have missed my mum by inches. So, so nothing what? surprises me. Why? I, 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 I'm so shocked by this. I'm so, I must be so naive. Why would anyone do that? They, they can't wait that 20 seconds no. it takes. Well, people just can't. I think if you speak to any lollipop lady or lollipop man, they'll all tell you the same story, that, that people have got no patience whatsoever, they've got no respect for them mm. and their job. And we're talking here about people doing this job for next to nothing. Yeah. They are hardly on any money at all. They get up morning in, morning out, and we're talking here about you know poor conditions as well in the winter. These people are doing this to protect children, and sadly, some road users... Yeah. Just have got uh, no respect for them whatsoever. Justin, how old were you when your mum was a uh, lollipop lady? I was probably about 14. Okay, did, 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 did she get to take the, the, the lollipop home with her? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did not. It was quite embarrassing, actually, because uh, I, I went to the, the, the bigger boys' school, Hemel yeah. Hempstead School, yeah. and opposite, my mum was the lollipop <laughs> lady for Southfield School, so I took the exit round the other way because people were saying, oh, oh your mum's the lollipop oh, lady, isn't she? Oh, no, you yes. had to, you're like Judas, you had to deny your mother. That's <laughs> terrible. I was going to ask if you ever pretended it was a real lollipop and licked it. Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I won't go that far. No. Uh, Justin, just quickly, where are you going to be again this morning? I'm going to be in Watford. I'm 
going to be at the Orchard Primary School there on Gammons Lane. So come and see us this morning if you are a parent at that school and you've seen bad driving yourself, bad behaviour. Come and see me. We're going to be going live on the radio just after 8 o'clock. Thank you very much, Justin. If you do see him, go and grab him and have a chat with him. Oh, he had to deny his mum. Sad. 7.15, Monday the 8th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government faces more questions this morning over the quashing of its decision on which rail company should operate the West Coast mainline. Plans to cut a further £10 billion from the welfare budget by 2017 will be set out by the Chancellor, George Osborne, at the Tory conference today. In sport, in Formula One, Milton Keynes' Red Bull's Sebastian Vettel has won the Japanese Grand Prix, which brings him within four points of the championship leader, Fernando Alonso. And coming up, train uh, timetables in the three counties will change this morning because... Oh, it's falling leaves. Again! So Gary Barlow stormed off of the X Factor. I mean, really, come on. At what point in the script did it say he had to do... Do you, do you buy any of these um, X... There's always a story about the X Factors. So, oh, Simon Cowell's jealous of my hair was one of them, Gary Barlow, in the paper. He was, he was in the paper this weekend. Gary Barlow storms off X Factor. Mm, come on! It's all done deliberately so that we talk about it. The fact I'm talking about it now means I've been sucked into the X Factor hype machine. But I do want to know, what have you walked out of? It can be anything. A job, um, a film, a concert, a play, uh, a conversation, a bus ride, anything. Uh, you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, um, or you can email uh, 3CR at bbc.co.uk. Or you can tweet, as uh, B has done, at BBC 3CR. Hers is quite a serious one. I walked out of a film shown to us when we visit, visited Dachau concentration camp. It was graphic and the reality hit home. Uh, Helen from Harpenden. I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to know more, and I'm going to make a guess. I walked out of a school meeting with my daughter once. We live in Harpenden, and some very posh parents started making fun of the newspaper I was reading. I was so mad. The Sun? Not the, not the Star. Helen, you don't read the Star, do you? I've got a, what newspaper was it? The, the Mail? No, they probably like the Mail there. And Steve C. from Luton is, is a history of, uh, of walking out. Both of these things I agree with. I walked out of Carry On Columbus at the ABC in Luton. Do you remember that? It was the first new Carry On film in about 15 years. 1994, was it, I think? After waiting so long for a new film, it was just not funny. Shame on the makers. Can I, um, can I blaspheme here on the radio? I think I can. None of the Carry On films are funny. All, oh, I'm getting dirty looks from the producer. I think I may have um, soiled our relationship. They're not funny. They're awful. Terrible. Okay, I get it. Barbara Windsor's got breasts. Kenneth Williams has got a pointy nose and sneers. And Sid James is a dirty old man. That's it. I get it. That, that's every carry-on film, pretty much. They're awful. They're tedious. They're sexist. They're a little bit racist. They're unfunny. If you disagree, 08459 455 555. And don't get me started on Faulty Towers. Oh, it's awful. Um, and what else has Steve C. walked out of? Um, the <laughs> Steve, what were you thinking? Also, the band A Flock of Seagulls, uh, about four years ago. They were rubbish. A Flock of Seagulls were, f- were, were famous because of a haircut. They had a haircut, and that was it. They were rubbish. One big keyboard on stage. I heckled them as they were playing loads of obscure, spacey instruments for 40 minutes. That's another thing. What bands have you heckled? I did heckle the Beach Boys the other week. I did. One of them fluffed up a song, and it was just after it had been announced they'd all been sacked. 
And I went, Al Jardine, you're fired! Got big, big, big laughter, and um, also someone told me to shut up. 08459 455 555. What have you walked out of? And the carry-on films. You can't defend them. You can't defend them. They, they never were funny. They're just kind of mindless drivel. No one sits down and writes that stuff. They just... Right, so James, you're going to do a dirty old man laugh. Bernard Breslau, you're going to be stupid. That's it. 08459. 455 555 is the telephone number. And if you get sucked into this kind of X-Factor hype, you didn't believe Gary Barlow walked out, did you? You didn't believe that. that, that was, of course it was all staged. Louis apparently voted for the woman, then said, oh, actually, no, I want to send it to deadlock. I want to send it to deadlock. What does that mean? Nonsense. Maybe we'll ask our Strictly Come Dancing expert uh, in a little bit if she saw it and what she made of it. Don't watch Strictly either, but we've got a fantastic way of dealing with it uh, here on this show, is that we get ten-year-old girls to talk about it, because they seem very excited. Although I will be disappointed if all she has to talk about is the dresses. I want a little bit more substance from my review than just the dresses. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. You can text, of course, 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can send me an email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Um, right, are we going to go to weather? I don't know if Steve's not there for the weather. What on earth is, is the Western Express up to these days? Doesn't he realise that people in beds, hearts and bucks need to get their weather at 20 past? Shall we have a look at some of the front pages again? Yeah, why the hell not? Shall we do that? Let's have a look. Uh, the Sun, Strip Savile of his sir. Callers PM urges BBC abuse probe. It is amazing I, how this story has progressed over the week, isn't it? It's gone from being, um, ooh, did he, didn't he, to... Th- 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 you'd be hard-pushed to find anyone who would be able to defend Jimmy Savile now, wouldn't you? It seems pretty conclusive. <laughs> It was proper cold this morning. I put a jumper on, a thick jumper on, for the first time in well, this year. The heating's been on for about six weeks, but getting up this morning, it was dark, it was wet, it was, oh, it was miserable. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, more bad news. Be aware, if you're getting the train to work this morning, the service might be running at a slightly different time. Rail services through beds, hearts and bucks will this morning be altered for the next two months due to falling leaves. It's 2012, I am doing falling leaves. The fall timetable, more on that in a minute, comes into effect through the autumn each year to allow more time for journeys. It means trains on the Chiltern Line through parts of Buckinghamshire will run three minutes early, while Thameslink services through Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, Great Northern Line trains will be running two minutes ahead of schedule. We're joined now by Roger Perkins of First Capital Connect. Roger, good morning. Good morning. Why, why is this happening? Well, it's, it's every year. This happens every year. We, we put in place this, this timetable. It's because basically journeys just take that little bit longer on a train when there are leaves on the line. Um, I, I remember before I joined the rail industry, I could hardly believe that leaves could slow down, you know, a train weighing many of tons, but it's precisely because they weigh so much. What happens is you get wet leaves, and it's the combination of wet leaves, rails, and heavy, heavy trains passing overhead with many thousands of pounds per square inch, and they crush the leaves into something... It's a very slippery coating. It's, it's actually quite similar to either black ice or Teflon, but black ice on the road is probably the best description. But, Roger, if you know it's happening every year, why on earth can't we do something about it? Well, well, we do. Um, a network rail goes out. They have um, trains that clean the line. They, they scrape them as they go along. Um, our trains are fitted with uh, sandboxes. You'll see little pipes next to the wheel, and they sort of put, they put uh, sand on the tra- track. 
and that all helps with rail adhesion. But nevertheless, if you're riding on a train during the autumn, you can hear the wheels sometimes slipping, trying to gain traction. So they're still safe, but it takes us longer to get going with a train and longer to slow down, which is, it, is, is why... It, is this good enough, Roger? It's, it's a straightforward fact, unfortunately. It's what happens with, with trains and, and rails and leaves. Chop the trees down. Well, that does happen. Um, Network Rail has a, a, a what they call a vegetation clearance, um, and uh, as I said, they run these special trains as well. But um, you can do that so much, um, but ne- inevitably there are an awful lot of trees along a very, very long sections of, of track, as you can imagine. And the leaves are, and during the autumn, it's inevitable they're going to get onto the rails. It, two minutes, th- th- I mean, it, to some people it's very significant. It doesn't seem that much uh, um, extra on a train journey. It, what does that two it, minutes buy you? It's not. I mean, what, the, the reason why it's so important, though, is it's two minutes earlier. And if anyone is normal, <laughs> like me, and you're a regular commuter, you do tend to turn up. You, you time your journey pretty closely. Yeah, you know where to stand to get on the train in the right place. You know exactly when to leave your house, yeah. and you know exactly when to arrive. And if you arrive this morning and uh, your train has left because it left two minutes earlier, you're going to be pretty annoyed, which is why we've been telling people. We've had posters and PA announcements at our stations. Obviously, we've been talking to you yeah. and to other people. Um, so, you know, that's, that's why. Why two minutes? Two minutes gives us just that little bit of extra time to make sure that the train can still arrive on time w- at its destination um, without uh, impacting the rest of the timetable. Because if one train goes out of sync, it can have a knock-on effect right the way through the so timetable. Wh- what services are changing, Roger? Okay. Well, on Thames Inc, Bedford to Brighton, really very, very few. There are three that start from Bedford very early in the morning, um, 05.52, probably not early in the morning for you. <laughs> it's, 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 it's mid-afternoon for me. And, oh, yeah, exactly. And 06.12, um, and um, they they run those two minutes earlier at Flittick, Luton, Harpenden and St Albans, uh, the very first and third one, and the second one calls two minutes earlier at Flittick, Harlington and Lee Gray. So that's, that's quite straightforward, to be honest. I don't think it'll catch many people out. But on the Great Northern Route, many more trains. We've got 38 trains that leave between two and three minutes earlier. Um, that doesn't include services from Peterborough or from King's Lynn, but is from Cambridge, Stevenage, Welland North, um, Welland Garden City, um, Hatfield... All the trains along those routes are all running roughly about two to three minutes earlier. And that's up to about 8.30 in the morning. The last one um, is actually Bowes Park, 08.29 instead of 08.31. Um, Roger, where can people go and, and, and find all this information? Thanks for asking that one. Our website, firstcapitalconnect.co.uk. We have special leafful timetables. You can download it there. Or at the railway station, we have um, leaflets and, of course, posters as well. Now, I have to pick you up on something. This fall timetable, does it refer to leaf fall or does it mean autumn? It's leaf fall. Good for you. I was worried we were slipping into a hideous Uh, Americanism. I will take back that criticism I was about to throw at you. Roger, thank you very much for that. That's Roger Perkins of First Capital Connect. It's leaf fall. It's not fall as in autumn. He he redeemed himself um, there. Been asking you this morning, what things have you uh, walked out of? Ian, did I hear you correctly? You walked out of the Beach Boys. Why? What on earth were they expecting? They played 61 of their greatest songs, and most of them are over 70. They were great. Nick and Hitchin. No, uh, Nick, you didn't hear me correctly. Because I said I sat 
through this entire concert, the last concert last week, two weeks ago, and loved it. It was when I saw them about four or five years ago, and it was only Mike Love, and I thought they were absolutely atrocious. That's when I walked out of them. I didn't walk out of them a couple of weeks ago because they were genuinely, absolutely brilliant. Then, what have you walked out of, dear listener? Eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Um, uh, or you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. No one's been able to call in and defend the, the, the hideously unfunny carry-on films. No one, no, no one could dare. No, no one finds them funny. When they come on, it's just... You watch it for nostalgia. You don't watch it for laughs. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wow. A full-on, proper argument with my producer about carry-on films then. If we were in the same room, it would have gone to fisticuffs. She thinks they are hilarious. This will probably be Jonathan's phone-in, I'd imagine, at nine o'clock. I don't know for sure. I imagine JVS will be asking carry-on films, were they ever funny? I suspect so. He tends to listen to our big uh, debates and, and, and nix them. But, oh, no, they were tedious. As was Faulty Towers as was Only Fools and Horses. Now, now, <laughs> it's true. Not funny at all. Not funny. Uh, coming up in the next half an hour, why are the roadworks in Dunstable causing so many problems? And the celebrities dance for the first time on Strictly Come Dancing. Who was the best? I don't know. I didn't watch it. I don't need to watch it because I have a team of 10-year-olds who watch it for me. And this morning, it's the turn of 10-year-old Gracie from Stevenage to tell us exactly what she thought uh, about the uh, first episode proper. Just a quick recap. Earlier on, we heard from Helen Harpenden, who said, we're talking about what you've walked out of. She said she walked out of a school meeting after posh parents made fun of the newspaper she was reading. I was keen to know what newspaper it was. She's got back in touch. It was the Daily Mail. So there you go. <laughs> now, you may have experienced problems with roadworks in Dunstable. We've, we've talked about this quite a bit on this show because it is causing a lot of problems. On Friday, we heard, heard from a shop owner who claims his business is down more than a third due to the continuing roadworks through the guided busway. Mike Bloy runs a fish and chip shop on Burnham Place, which means traffic is diverted away from his shop and the main Dunstable car park at Asda. He told BBC Three Counties reporter Gareth Lloyd he's not the only person being inconvenienced. We understand that they have to do health and safety for their own workers when they work on here, so a one-way system should be put in. But not to take the traffic away from the shops. You bring traffic into the shops. They've had to do work, essential work, on the pavements out where we are, here and we understand that uh, but what they've done was they blocked off the pathway that leads from the car park going towards grove house this is okay except for nobody absolutely nobody put up any signs now i've had cases where i've had to go out and rescue a couple of old ladies who were walking down the middle of the road on a one-way system in the dark there's no lighting around here and they could have been killed they didn't know how to get into asda's or into anywhere safe and this is absolutely unacceptable trade for you then the fish and chip shop i mean how's that looking has that been affected oh has it been affected we have come down by about 40 percent as i explained to you last time and we're still in that situation uh i do believe that the council have made a big mistake one of their senior people has told me that yes he didn't take the shops into account when he done this but don't worry we will take care of it next time this doesn't help me 
And it's about time the council took responsibility for what they're doing, not only to myself, but to all the shops at Dunstable. Well, Central Bedfordshire Council have issued us with the following statement. In addition to formal consultation with businesses, we have been in constant dialogue with shop owners throughout the planning stages of the Court Drive Works, and this will continue until the works are completed. Not long ago, we had a constructive meeting with a number of businesses on Queensway and Court Drive. They were able to express their concerns and left feeling positive that we could all work together to improve Dunstable. Ultimately, the Court Drive scheme is about creating an attractive and more open space and is part of wider plans to make the area more appealing to shoppers, which will benefit businesses in the long term. And if you live in Dunstable, if you've seen this, what do you make of that? Makes sense? 08459 455 555. Joining me on the line now is David Ashley, who is the Town Clerk and Chief Executive of Dunstable Town Council. Mr Ashley, do you support the the Central Bedfordshire Council statement? Um... Well, I, I think the town council's position has always been that it supports the development of the courtway of the court road um, drive scheme. Yes, but it doesn't support small businesses. The Dunstable Town Council supports small businesses. Yes, and I think, um, and I think, if you ask any of those small businesses, they will tell you that we've been incredibly supportive uh, throughout the disruption that the roadworks have caused. But the town council itself. Just it has to look to the to the long term, and it recognises that this road um, scheme and other road schemes that are going on in the town, they're part of a, a wider range of schemes that are going to have a long-term benefit on, on Dunstable. I think the future for Dunstable is very bright. That's if these, these small businesses can afford to stay open. You heard there from uh, Mike Bloy, who's chip shop, the business is down 40% since June. That's incredible. Yeah, and 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 uh, obviously I'm not privy to, to to figures, and 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 I've spoken to Mike and I've met with Mike, but I think you've, I think it's more important to look at the wider picture. We we do have a number of businesses opening up in the town, and certainly our vacant units within the town centre has improved over the last twelve months. You might have more vacant units, though. I mean, and, and you're right; it is important to look at the wider picture, and it is of course important to make Dunstable uh, as thriving as possible. But people like Mike and the other shopkeepers that we spoke to on Friday. They're struggling. Yeah, and and we run businesses in the town centre ourselves, and so we're very aware of the the current economic climate. But it's not it's but not I the think, economic climate, David. It's the roadworks that are causing the problems for for people oh, like I Mike. Think that, I, I think you can't ignore the economic climate. And, you, can, and, you can't and, ignore and it, David. Town. You can't ignore it, but you can't ignore the fact, which it feels like you're doing slightly, that people can't get to his shop. His business is down forty percent since the roadworks started. That doesn't seem fair, yeah, does it? I, I don't know if you've got me on your radio show to have a go at me about the roadworks. That's a central Bedfordshire council scheme. It's not a town council scheme. Right. We're not having a go. I'm, I'm just, just asking the question. Yeah, and, and I've said we recognise that there's, there's going to be disruption caused. The, the investment that's required to rejuvenate and regenerate Dunstable is in the hundreds of millions of pounds, and that's what's happening over the next few years. But, of course, it's going to cause some short-term disruption. How long's it going for? Well, I think those those particular roadworks are on schedule. I'm not privy to the exact timescales of when they'll be finishing, but they're on schedule. Hopefully, it'll be finished within the next month. It's going to make a big difference to that area of town. And hopefully, what that's going to lead to is um, it, it, it becomes very attractive for, for, for investors to, to put money into the town. We're hoping that the quadrant is going to get sold uh, shortly, and then that will get, get redeveloped. The busway scheme, that's still on time. I, I believe that that's going to have a benefit for the town. And then once the M- A5M1 road link goes in, that's going to have an enormous benefit to the town. These are big schemes. They're costing 
tens of millions of pounds, but that's the type of investment that's required in order to regenerate Dunstable. I personally think that Dunstable's got a fantastic future, and I think the town council's playing a, a really good role in, in doing its bit to make these re- regeneration schemes happen. We've invested heavily in the market, for instance, over the recent months, because we've taken over the management of that. And our events programme that we put on throughout the year has brought loads of people into the town. I'm sure Mike of Mike's Fish and Chips would would, would admit that our, our events programme has done his business the world of good. He's, he had his record trading day during David, one of our David, events. With, with, with the situation regarding, I mean, Mike specifically, we did speak to other shops on, on, on Friday. His, his business is down 40% since June, since his roadwork started, uh, which, is, which is terrible. What would your message be to Mike? My message to Mike is to, to hold on in there, and, and, and as I said, I've met with Mike, I've spoken with him, is to hold on in there. The specific road scheme that's affecting his business at the moment is going to be finished shortly. Um, once it's finished, it's going to make that area of the town look far more attractive, and we're hoping it will attract far more people into that area of town, which will have a benefit for its business. Dave Ashley, thank you. Town Clerk and Chief Executive of Dunstable Town Council. The advice to those businesses whose business is down 40% is hold on in there. Yeah. Hold on in there. That's easy to do, isn't it, when your business is down 40% and you're struggling to make ends meet. When there is uh, tough economic times, as David pointed out, uh, and things are made worse by roadworks, which means people can't get to your shop. Hold on in there. 08459 455 555. Now, if you've ever cared for a relative, you'll know how much of an impact it can have on your life. Well, it's believed as many as one in ten people aged 16 to 25 are looking after a parent, sibling or other relative. Tonight, a Radio 1 documentary called Keeping Mum highlights the situation. It features Shani from Bedford, who cares for her mum, Deborah. She faces the prospect of going to university and leaving her mum for the first time. Here, Deborah explains how she and her daughter, Shani, plan to communicate while she's at uni. Well, she's got me a Skype account. (laughs) And she wants me to carry the laptop around so she can check that everything's okay in the flat (laughs) and that she can actually see me because obviously I can say that I'm fine and I'm not whereas if she can see my face she'll know if I'm lying I'm going to be worrying about her I'm not going to be here to nag her make sure she's okay and be in control of stuff that maybe mum can't take on but um, we're going to have to manage somehow I'm going to be fine Okay, I'm going to have a bit of a meltdown for a few days, but I'm going to be fine. (laughs) I'm going to be fine. Well, now we can talk to Newsbeat politics reporter Dave Howard. Morning, Dave. Morning to you. Uh, Now, one of the young carers you featured is a teenager from uh, Bedford, Shani, who's looked after a mum who's clinically depressed. What was her story, Dave? Well, we we actually visited uh, Shani and Deborah on Shani's A-level results day. It's obviously a, a tumultuous day for any any teenager going through that. But the very specific circumstances in their case are, yes, Shani wants to go to university. Yes, she wants to get on and better her life. But also, both Shani and Deborah are petrified about how Deborah would cope uh, with her clinical depression without Shani in her life, day in, day out, to help and support her. Um, Shani says at one point in the documentary, I'm just not going to be there to help her, to give her a hug in the morning when she needs it. And the, I guess the point about that is, as with a lot of these kind of case studies you, you hear about in the news, it's you know personally a very difficult circumstance for them it's also um something that happens in in a lot of cases around the country we you know some academic research looking into the lives of young carers says that's very common that sense of 
feeling torn between I want to do things for myself, but I, I feel guilty about getting away to do those things. We talk in the documentary as well about young adult carers being a hidden and neglected group. Now, why would that be? In, in, in some cases, they don't come forward, they don't talk about their home life because they're used to being bullied by peers, for instance, at school. Uh, they don't necessarily know that services might be available to them, so they don't come forward. Um, in some parts of the country, there's no dedicated support services for young adult carers either. For example, in Bristol, we heard uh, in Bristol from Karina Andrews. She's just turned 18 as well. Uh, she found that she had to leave her young carers group because she wasn't under 18 anymore, but that there was no dedicated support locally for young adults like her and like Shani from Bedford. In her case, Karina set up a, a, her own group, we caught up with them on a night out bowling. Along with all the issues that young adults get, university, um, their jobs, building relationships, moving house, all those things, you've got Karen added onto that. More than anything, it's just a good excuse to get out of house, have a laugh with absolutely no pressure. Like. Loads of my friends don't live at home anymore, they're in serious relationships, stuff like that that I just can't do. Some of my friends are actually finishing uni, which I cannot believe, makes me feel so old. I'm at the same place as I was when I left school, and that really upsets me. Now, a lot of these young carers will say to you, do you know what, I don't want to not look after my relative, of course I want to look after my relative, but I also want to have the opportunities that other people my age would have. And charities say it's a, it's a particular problem that there's not specific support for that 18 to 24-year-old age group. Uh, Dave, uh, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much. This is Dave Howard, um, who is the Newsbeat politics reporter, and you can hear that documentary uh, later on this evening on Radio 1. 7.46, Monday the 8th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government faces more questions this morning over the quashing of its decision on which rail company should operate the West Coast mainline. The man accused of abducting and murdering five-year-old April Jones will appear before magistrates in Aberystwyth this morning. In sport, the West Indies won Cricket's World 2020 after a 36-run victory against the host Sri Lanka. And your weather across beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy with the chance of patchy rain, but becoming brighter in the afternoon. Top temperature is 12 degrees. And coming up, a professional review of Strictly Come Dancing by a 10-year-old. BBC Three Counties Radio. Put on your silly dresses and your string vests, it's back. Strictly Come Dancing is back. Did you watch it on Saturday? I didn't. I don't need to watch it, though, because I have a team of young people out there eagerly watching it for me and reporting back every Monday. Well, this week it's the turn of our Strictly Come Dancing correspondent, Gracie, from Stevenage. Good morning, Gracie. Good morning. Remind everyone how old you are, Gracie. I'm ten. And what do you do for a living, Gracie? I go to school at Walken Primary School in And your husband's name is... I don't have one. And where did you meet? Oh, you don't have one. Okay, right. Gracie, <laughs> did you watch Strictly Come Dancing? Yes. Fantastic. It was the first episode proper last night, because they had an episode a couple of weeks ago. Then they took a break. Why did they take a break? They took a break so their, so their contestants could meet their par- partners properly and, and train. Okay, they did some training. Now, what did you think of uh, uh, this weekend's show? It was really good. It was really lively. I really enjoyed it. Okay. What was uh, the the highlight for you? What was your favourite favourite bit? Uh, 
Lisa Riley and Robin Windsor. Now, Lisa Riley, uh, uh, there's lots in the newspapers. Lisa Riley is the slightly larger lady, I think we can say, who used to be in Emmerdale Farm, then bizarrely hosted um, You've Been Framed, and everyone thought she was going to be terrible. Was she terrible or was she brilliant? She was actually very, 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 very good. Now, was she proper good or was she John Sargent good where it was rubbish but it was funny rubbish? No, it was very, very, very high energy. They had loads of oomph, oomph. and they really did deserve top marks, even though they got them. Okay, and so that's, she she won, did she last night? Um, she got she's Lisa and Robin are the are topping the leaderboard. Yes. Is the um the delightful young lady if Flavia is Flavia still in it? Yeah. I like Flavia. She's one of the dancers. I like her hair. It's what we used to call a bowl cut when I was a kid. I don't know if you still have that phrase, but she's got nice hair. Who is Flavia dancing with? Louis Smith, the gymnast. Oh, okay. Oh, oh well, th- then they, they have got a good advantage, haven't they, if he's a gymnast? Yeah. Okay. Who was, and I want you to be honest, Gracie, who was the worst? The worst? Yeah. Johnny Bull. Oh, no, really? Yeah. Oh, why? It, it, I don't know, it didn't just... Oh, no, sorry. Victoria Pendleton. No, 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 no. Hang on a minute, Gracie. Is that mum in the background? Yeah. Right. What, what's mum's name? Mm, Emma. It's all right. Say, say, mum, button it. Mum, shut up. Oh. Oh, right. Yes, right, mum. Keep quiet. I'm talking to Gracie. So, do you think Johnny Ball, your mum thinks Victoria Pendleton? Yeah. Oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to take that. We're going to d- dismiss that. What were the, were the judges? Were they kind of all nasty and, and picky? I like it when they're like that. Bruno and Darcy were very good, yep. very honest. Yep. I don't like Craig. My mum's turning into a Mrs. Craig, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, she's a bit miserable and a bit... Yeah, a bit uh, annoying. Yeah, yeah, I can tell that. Uh, <laughs> so, Craig Craig is the one that's like, hmm, well, I think you looked absolutely disgusting. He's like that, isn't he? You did a really good impression. That's not bad, is it? I can do a really oh. good Simon Cowell as well. I'll do my Simon Cowell one day. I won't okay. do it now. Okay. Uh, but, so, y- y- do you think this is going to be a good series? I think it's very going to be a very good series, yeah. Now, Gracie, do you and all your girlfriends at school, like, at lunchtime and stuff, do you kind of, like, play Strictly Come Dancing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, who we are you... We talk about all the dresses and all the makeup. Oh. Boys. Were the dresses good? Yeah, they were absolutely stunning. I loved Lisa Riley's. She had the best dress, did she? Yeah. Okay. And the makeup was good? Yeah. Okay. How, how do you define good makeup and bad makeup? Good makeup is when it's all bright and bouncy and reflective, but bad makeup is when there's basically you can't see anything. Okay, Gracie, or listen. They're overloaded. Uh, they're overloaded. Gracie, uh, listen. Uh, marks out of ten for the first episode proper, please. What's that? Sorry. Marks out of ten for for the episode at the weekend. Um, ten out of ten. Fantastic, Gracie. Uh, very quickly, did you watch the X Factor? No. Why? I don't know. <laughs> is it is it rubbish? The X Factor? Is it past it? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, thank you very much, Gracie. Have a good day at school. What lessons have you got today? Uh, math, literacy, science, and ICT. Oh, boring! I love ICT. I'll tell you what, Gracie, I'm giving you a pass. You're allowed to bunk off school today. All you need to do is present it to your teachers and say, I've got an Ian Lee bunk off school pass. Okay! Thanks very much. Let's see how much trouble we get in for that. That's Gracie, who's one of our excellent 10 and under uh, reporters on Strictly Come Dancing, uh, and makes my job a whole lot easier. I was talking about carry-on films, saying they're not funny and they're tedious and awful. Matt in Luton has taken offence at this, Matt. What, what, what's your problem? Well, I think you must be the most miserable man in the world. I beg your pardon, sir. Listen to your I voice. I know it's Monday, mate. 
but yes. you should have knocked them in today. <laughs> oh, you can talk about Carry On yeah. in that disgraceful voice. They are real British comedy. Carry On Screaming was voted the best comedy film of all time. Where? Yes. Where? I'm telling you. W w w where? Where is this? How you can sit there. Are you sitting down or standing I up? I'm sitting down, sir. Well, I hope Jonathan comes in and gives you a right telling off, mate. He normally does. Don't worry about that. Well, he will about this. So you, you, you genuinely you can watch oh, a carry-on film and laugh. Yeah, great, great, great. But great old-fashioned British, British comedy. But they're tedious. They're not. They're not funny, they're sexist, they're offensive. I've got all my grandchildren, I've got nine of them, they oh. love the, 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 the carry-ons. Oh, dear. There you are. Well, Matt, we, listen, we can agree that only Fools and Horses isn't funny, can't we? Fools and Horses is even better. I'll watch it nearly every week. Because there's nothing else on. Your X Factor and all that rubbish is on. But you put fools in horses, you can have a good laugh. Matt, thank you very much. Matt in Luton with very strong feelings. And don't worry, uh, Jonathan will be in in about half an hour. He'll tell me off, no doubt. Uh, 08459-455-555 is the telephone number. If you wish to defend the carry-on films, it's, it's an impossible task. They're pretty poor. Now, you may have seen the adverts over the weekend about the first ever police and crime uh, commissioner e elections. They're happening here in Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire. Ministers say the new system will be the biggest change to police governance in 50 years. But there are fears of a low turnout for the polls, which take place on November the 15th. The government says the commissioners will be accountable for how crime is tackled in their police force area and will help build confidence in the system and restore trust. We can talk now to the policing minister, Damien Green. Good morning, Mr Green. Good morning. Police and crime commissioners have a lot of decision-making power. It's a big deal. How worried are you about the potential of a low turnout? Well, there, there's something new, so we don't know what the turnout's going to be. Whenever you do something new, uh, people say, what's this? They obviously don't know uh, much about it. That's why we're running the big national advertising campaign that people have started seeing. That will be running through this month, and then obviously the individual candidates themselves will be running their own campaigns, which will raise awareness of the elections. And people really do care about crime and disorder and antisocial behaviour uh, in their areas. So for the first time, they've now actually got a chance to have a an individual say on how those are tackled. Why aren't these elections on the same day as other elections? It seems odd to, to, to have it separate, and that, that may keep people away. Um, well, in, in future, that, that won't be the case right. um, for, for various reasons. Of when we had to pass the legislation, these, this is the uh, earliest we could hold these elections. But uh, for future elections from 2016 onwards, they will be held on the same day as local elections. Okay. Some people have expressed concern that politics are getting involved because the, the, a lot of these are a lot of these candidates represent various political parties. Is it right that politics should be involved at this level of policing? Well, I mean, first of all, any PCC elected has to swear an oath of impartiality, so they, they will promise to act without uh, fear or favour, as do judges, as do uh, police officers. And in the end, the, the, these people have the power to set the, the, the precept, the police tax, that's part of the local government taxing, and overall decide how best that should be spent. So you know, those sorts of decisions are inevitably political decisions. Even though they're swearing non to, to, to be um, uh, neutral. 
Well, they're supposed to be neutral, so obviously there can't be any political bias in the way right. uh, the, the policing is done. I think they, everyone would recognise that as sensible. But, but in the end, taxing and spending, and, and you know, the commissioners will have the power to, to extract money from you and your listeners and, and spend it in the way they, they think fit. You know, that's a, a basic political decision. Mm. In some places like Hertfordshire, they've only, they've only got two candidates, so there's not really much choice, is there? Well, it's up to, I mean, nominations haven't closed yet. If somebody thinks, right, I, I want to run, they've still got the, the, the chance to, to do it. Um, but, but two candidates is, is, is more of a choice than, than you've got at the moment. At the moment, we have police authorities, which are, which are not elected at all. So this is a, a step forward for democracy. Damien, what about this, this silly rule that um, you can't stand if you've got a criminal record that involved a, a prison sentence or could have involved a prison sentence? It means people like Simon Weston have had to stand down, which seems a little bit odd, doesn't it? Well, it's it's a rule that was passed um, with no opposition at all uh, in in Parliament, and and it was passed with with eyes open, um, partly to make it uh, the same rule for police and crime commissioners as you would expect from uh, police officers and so on. We we, we need to hold uh, these people to the highest standards of behaviour, and that's why Parliament decided that uh, any conviction, which, which as you say, would have uh, could have led to uh, a jail sentence. Uh, is enough to disqualify you. Damien, Damien, going off on a slight tangent, uh, George Osborne wants to make it harder for under-25s to receive housing benefit. Do you think it's fair that parents should have to shoulder the responsibility? Well, this is all part... I mean, there, there are two reasons for this. First of all, the, the welfare bill, as we know, over the, uh, the years has got out of control uh, and we've got to get it back uh, under control. Uh, and housing benefit in particular, I think a lot of people who've been, been, been struggling for years, you know, paying rent, wanting to uh, own their own homes, will think that you know, people shouldn't just, um, as soon as they finish school or university, be able to go on to housing benefit. So it's, it's essentially a question of fairness across the board. Damien, thank you very much. Policing Minister Damien Green. Uh, JVS will be talking about that, uh, by the way, about the uh, the cuts in housing benefits in the under-25s after nine o'clock. And also, there's a special programme explaining the Police and Crime Commissioners with Roberto at 6pm tonight. And you can also see all of the candidates for the election on our website. <laughs> Good morning, it's just gone 8 o'clock, Monday the 8th of October, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up in the last hour of the show. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will pop in in a little bit and tell us what he's up to. I wonder if he likes carry-on films. Anyway, we've also got drivers failing to stop for Hertfordshire's lollipop ladies and gentlemen. Do motorists do the same to you? Conservative MP for St Albans, Anne Main, wants answers from the BBC over Jimmy Savile. I'll be speaking to her in the next ten minutes. And Gary Barlow walks out of the X Factor. What have you walked out of? 08459 455 555. That's also the number to call if you can defend carry-on films. You can't. They're awful, aren't they? BBC Three Counties Radio. My Beatles story, competition winner. Now, now, you may remember, as part of Beatles Day on BBC Local Radio, we gave you the chance to win a specially commissioned framed gold disc commemorating the 50th anniversary of the band's first single, Love Me Do. It turns out I wasn't allowed to enter. Thanks, guys. The question was, where did the Beatles' Nanny Peel live? The answer... Penny Lane. It was an anagram, you see. Clever. The winner of the competition is Richard Newton, who is a Radio Sheffield listener. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
08459 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. Now, if you're doing the school run later with your children or your grandchildren, spare a thought for the lollipop ladies and gentlemen. Some of those who help children cross the roads in Hertfordshire are being verbally abused and harassed by drivers. If you've seen this, could you give me a call? Because I find this amazing. The county council say some motorists sit and rev their engines loudly as the pupils are trying to cross the road. Well, it's now launching a campaign to raise awareness of the important role school crossing patrols play in keeping children safe. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is near Orchard Primary School in Watford. Justin? Yes, good morning, Ian. I'm just uh, outside the school at the moment. We're going to be talking to Bernie Newland at about 20 past eight this morning. She is the lollipop lady here, and she's been the lollipop lady here for 20 years. Wow. So clearly, very dedicated to her job. Um, also joining me live here by the radio car is Paul Suss. And Paul, you're the head teacher here. We're talking about safety awareness today of of lollipop ladies and lollipop men just how concerned are you for the safety of your lollipop lady here um, there are times where I'm obviously very concerned. It's a very busy main road. It's a bus route. Lots of traffic first thing in the morning and when the children are being picked up. And there does seem to be an increasing amount of traffic that does not respect the role of the, uh, the lollipop men and women. So if we have got motorists listening to this this morning who drive down this road, it's Gammons Lane here in Watford, who do abuse your lollipop lady... What is your message to them? Um, slow down. Um, there are traffic cameras, but I still feel the traffic needs to go a lot slower. They know there's a school. Um, they know we have a traffic um, school crossing patrol lady. Slow down, please. You know, she's very nice. She gives you lots of signals. Just be more patient. And do you think it is ridiculous we're having this conversation about people's respect, if you like, towards lollipop ladies and lollipop men? Do you think it's just ridiculous we're even having this conversation? You would have thought that in this day and age, with safety of children, wanting to be paramount, more and more children in this area, and particularly as schools are uh, increasing in numbers, with more children coming to schools, you would have thought most people travelling along the roads would want to keep those children safe. And just lastly, Paul, we are talking about things you've walked out on today. You're not an X-Factor man. You said to me, it's all a fix. But uh, Gary Barlow walked out on the X-Factor last night briefly. Very funny to watch. You must have been close to walking out on some of your governor meetings. They must be so, so boring, surely. Um, I've been in quite a fair few governing body meetings, and at this point it will probably be wise for me to probably say no comment. (laughs) Brave man. Thank you very much. Thank you. There you go. Paul Sutton, the head teacher here of Orchard Primary School in Watford. And as I mentioned, Ian, when you come back to me at about 20 past eight, we'll be talking to Bernie Newland, who has been the lollipop lady here for 20 years. Fantastic. Justin, I have to remind you that later on this morning, you and I, Mm. we are going head to head and we are having our driving assessed. Yes. Um... Do you want to pull out of it at well, all? You've got an unfair advantage straight away because I've been uh, travelling right the way across beds, hearts and bucks this morning. I'm going to be very, very tired. No, hang on a minute. You've got the advantage. You've been practising your driving no, all morning. It, I've been sat in a studio. Come on, it doesn't work like that. However, you still will be decent and decent convincing. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it later on, Ian. <laughs> oh, Justin Dealey, isn't he full of it? Isn't he full of it? We're having our driving assessed. It seemed like a good idea uh, last week when we came up with it. And now it's actually happening... I'm terrified. We've got a professional driving instructor coming out with us, and he's going to assess us. Won't tell us who's, who's won, in inverted commas. I think we find out maybe tomorrow or Wednesday on the show. I'm terrified. You heard Justin there talking about uh, walking out. Um, Danny says, I was taken to see Steve Allen. I walked out after 15 minutes. That was too long. Steve Allen is a broadcaster on another radio station. Very tedious man. I used to work with him uh, a long time ago. Yes, 15 minutes would be a long time. Ian, I've walked out of my bedroom. Um, 
that's right, I walked out on Ian Lee. What? How can you say Carry On is not funny? It set the benchmark for most comedy shows and was a great part of our British history. I defy you not to laugh whilst a pair of trousers fall down or a lady's top gets ripped off whilst the sound of a penny whistle can be heard. (laughs) When you put it like that. Okay, you can have Carry On Columbus, but films like Carry On Screaming are fantastic. Anyway, rant over. I have also walked out of a Brian Adams gig about 12 years ago because I thought the support act was Bare Naked Ladies, and it wasn't. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. They're a great band. I didn't even wait for him to come on. I was fuming. This was the time before you could find out everything via the internet. Paul from Harlow. Paul, thank you very much. Uh, Indeed. The Jimmy Savile Charitable Trust is considering changing its name after allegations of of abuse were made about the late DJ and charity fundraiser. Several women have alleged Sir Jimmy sexually assaulted them as teenagers. Meanwhile, the Conservative MP for St Albans, Anne Main, has written to Lord Leveson to say his inquiry should investigate how much the BBC knew at the time. She's on the line now. Good morning, Anne. Good morning. Why did you write this letter to Lord Leveson? Well, I read this last uh, Thursday, so actually an awful lot has come into the um, public domain since then, because Lord Leveson actually has a remit within his um, inquiry to look at the the whole breadth of the media. And, of course, he has been looking mostly at newspapers, but I believe that the hints that were coming out last week and certainly been uh, uh, built on since then is that there seemed to be a culture within the BBC of acceptance of this or knowledge of this. I mean, this is what's been said by people like Liz Kershaw, Esther Ranson, is that it was, it was sort of known. Li- did Liz, did, sorry, I did, just to clear up, did Liz Kershaw mention Jimmy Savile? I know she mentioned that she was b- b- groped by someone that was unnamed, but she, did she mention Jimmy Savile specifically? No, she actually said in a quote that was in one of the national media on the weekend that there was a culture of sexual harassment and her complaints fell on deaf ears. Mm. Now, that, to me, suggests that there were avenues of complaint um, that people said people complained about Jimmy Savile and he was investigated in 2007. There were complaints made. Well, who were they made to and why did they fall on deaf ears? That's Mm. really what I want to know. The Jimmy Savile uh, uh, complaints were made to the police and the police investigated and didn't uh, it, it, they they let it go didn't they the, the, was well, it really the responsibility of the bbc uh, my understanding was that a bbc press officer at the time investigated office rumors just before and this is again has been in national media mm. just before he was appointed presenter of jim will fix it so that the link keeps going back to the bbc there's i just actually heard mr george entwistle um the, the new director general on mm. on the BBC Radio Four program, and he does say the inquiry obviously is in sort of two halves. There is the criminal allegations mm. against Mr. Mr. Jimmy Savile, the latest Jimmy Savile, and that is that is one element of the inquiry. The other element that I think is equally valid is, and he did a great thing trying to assure everyone that this sort of culture doesn't exist anymore, is, but was there a culture in the BBC? Was there a sense of if you complained of any of these sort of issues, they weren't listened to or taken seriously? And what, what has been, what has happened since then to change that culture? I have an email from George uh, Entwistle, uh, who sends out a little email every week to, to the BBC, uh, and he says, um, where, where does he say this now? Um... Uh, we have already carried out a thorough search of our written records. Crucially and regrettably, it appears no complaints were made at the time. So it would appear, Anne, that no complaints were made within the BBC at the time. Well, I'm afraid... Just, I, I remember those famous words to do with um, the news of the world when they said it was just one or two rogue reporters. Mm. I actually think we need to have a forensic investigation of this, whether or not we can just take the word of the internal review of this matter that nothing was 
nothing was known about it at the time, and therefore we must accept that. He did actually say today, literally about 15 mm. minutes ago on, on Radio 4, that once the police had conducted their inquiries, he would look into any other matters right. that needed tidying up. I actually believe that it should be Leveson that should do that, because just as it was shown, the Press Standards Commission, Press Complaints Commission, wasn't up to the job. Is the BBC up to the job of looking at itself? I don't think the public would think that was an acceptable thing. I think it should be someone on the outside. Again, just to go back to... And listen, I don't know what the right thing to do here is, and, you know, we're all shocked by these allegations. But just to go back to George Entwistle's uh, email that he sends out to the staff, the police are the only people with the proper powers to assess criminal allegations, and they have made it clear to me that any BBC internal inquiry in parallel would run the risk of damaging or impeding their work. So shouldn't we let the police investigate it first and see what their results are? Well, as I said, I, I, I could quite agree in some ways the BBC investigating itself wouldn't be as appropriate, but Leveson could certainly mm. do it. And I don't think that the Leveson inquiry, which isn't concluded yet, and he did say he was happy to include anything at the last minute if he felt it was important to his investigation. I do think the Leveson inquiry could start looking at the culture within the BBC. It doesn't have to look at particular allegations against Mr Savile mm. or any other presenter that is coming out into the public domain, but I do think they could look at the culture within the BBC and start picking away whether or not there were practices in places that basically condoned this or turned a blind eye to allegations of any wrongdoing whatsoever. Anne Main, thank you very much. Anne Main, Conservative MP for St Albans. We have a response from the BBC, uh, and they have said, quote, this would be a question for Leveson, unquote. It's 8.15, it's Monday the 8th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is being asked to look again at its decision to choose a foreign firm to build a new fleet of trains for Thameslink in the wake of the bungled West Coast rail deal. A 52-year-old motorcyclist has died in High Wycombe after hitting a large rock which may have been deliberately placed in the road. Sport! The South African cricket team manager Mohamed Musaji has hit back after the chief executive of the ECB, David Collier, suggested the South African team provoked Kevin Peterson into sending them naughty messages. Musaji says the comments are irresponsible and unfair. Coming up, more on lollipop people. They've been suffering abuse from drivers. Our reporter, Justin, is outside a school in Watford. BBC Three Counties Radio. He's back. JVS, Jules, Jonathan Vernon Smith is back, and you're a very strange colour. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> you're a very. You're the same colour as um, uh, who was the uh, Wish You Were Here lady? What? Judith Chalmers. Yeah, you're that sort of orangey. I look like Judith Chalmers on a, on a, on a bad day. Do you, uh, you've been away on holiday. No, mm. you l- listen. No, Frigaliana. Yes, and I enjoyed following you on Twitter. Did you? Your traumas. You had a dog that you. A d- dog turned up at my villa, yeah. at my luxury villa. Yep. And I found him next to the swimming pool. He was drinking from my swimming oh, pool. Oh God! You have to clean that pool again. Th- no, he was a poor thing. Yeah. And uh, and I, I tweeted, and lots of people were tweeting. You know, oh, you must bring him back and uh, not you you took a less than sympathetic view of this dog i said you should put him down he's probably got, got rabies with a brick i seem to remember no, the only reason i said that and dear listener if you're having breakfast and you like cats <laughs> stay away i once went on holiday it's the worst holiday of my no, life don't tell this story don't okay no you're right thank don't you don't tell it thank you you're right I, you're right i shouldn't tell that story don't tell that story but it was very uh, upsetting but the dog lives the dog is now uh, being looked after by a woman called vera oh bless who uh yes she uh, well I, she was going to rescue him anyway yeah, yeah. i took him to the vet you're far too perky this morning I, am i you mu- <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a week off again you're, why not <laughs> i feel recharged oh i could do anything <laughs> you do, you're, you're, <laughs> 
speaking to some of your callers, that'll, that'll yeah, save you back that, down. Yeah, yeah. That'll bring uh, me back down. Can to I ask you before you, you go off, and I'm, I'm assuming yeah. this is going to be your topic today, do you find carry-on films funny? Oh, yes. Oh, no. Well, y- yes, but you have to take them in the, in the context. Yep. You know, of... I mean, they're, they're, well, we don't create them now, do we? No. But it, they were quite funny at their I, time. They weren't funny then. The joke was, Sid James was a dirty old man, Kenneth Williams was very camp, and... Oh! Ba- yes. And, and Barbara Windsor <laughs> had boobs. Yes. You can't sustain 20 films with those. Don't forget Charles Hawtrey. He was hilarious. Little funny Charles I'll Hawtrey. I'll tell you who was quite nice. The, the, the Kenneth Connor, who'd go... Whenever he saw a sexy lady, go... <laughs> that was that was it. But that even that was still a bit creepy. He was in his sixties, looking at eighteen-year-old. Yes, but tedious. they were quite funny. No, tedious. No, is that your phone in today? By the way, no. Ah, disappointing. We uh, it was a hot contender, but uh, we decided against it. I hope you don't mind. No, go on. What have you got instead? You're looking very casual, by the way, today. What is this number? <laughs> it's a, it's a t-shirt. It says had a woman's top. <laughs> I'm not wearing a blouse. <laughs> well, it looks it's got a... It's very low cut, isn't it? It's a, it, I'll do a button-up. Just tell me what's on your see show. your nipples. Coming up at nine... Can you say nipples on the BBC at on, 20 past eight? On the big phone-in. Should the state support parents who can't afford their children? Ooh. I'm looking. I'm looking at your face. I can normally st- tell what your what your view is going to be. Uh, to a certain extent, I think they should, but I, I think you should only have kids if you can afford them. Well, the Chancellor will today lay out his proposals to cut welfare spending by £10 billion, and one of the options he'll discuss at the party conferences affects child benefit. George Osborne says it's right to think about removing the rise in child support benefits that jobless parents receive when they have more children. Well, from nine, should the state support parents who can't afford their children, call me now, 08459 555. It's the subject of the big phone-in at nine. I would say, because uh, I get child support benefit, and I don't need it. So I would say don't give it to the people that don't need it. Give it to those that need it, the poorer people. I don't need it. Right. So don't give it to me. Okay. We'll see if people agree with you I at thought, nine. I thought that would spark a debate, but you've just yeah. taken it on the chin. Well, I, you know, I'm not a parent. What do I know? Exactly. You, you have no right to talk about <laughs> it. Out. <laughs> Out. <laughs> you and your manky dog. <laughs> Jonathan, do I smell a dog? Yes, you do. But you always do. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at nine o'clock. It's great to have him back. Always a pleasure. Now, if you've been hearing all morning, if you've been listening, lollipop ladies and men are being... I don't think I've ever seen a lollipop man. That's why I hesitate to say it. I've been been racking my brains. I'm sure there are plenty, and I'm sure they do an excellent, excellent job. I can't think of ever having seen one. But lollipop ladies and men are being verbally abused and harassed by drivers in Hertfordshire, according to the county council. This is incredible. It says some drivers sit and rev their engines loudly as the children are trying to cross the road. We've heard stories about people chucking cans and and bags of chips at them. Well, the council is now uh, launching a campaign to raise awareness of the important role that school crossing patrols play in keeping children safe. BBC Three Counties radio reporter and all-round good guy, Justin Dealey, is outside Orchard Primary School in Watford. Justin, tell us what's going on. Yes, thank you, Ian. I'm with uh, Bernie Newland, the lollipop lady here. She's about to start work, starts at 8.30. Bernie, welcome to the programme. You've been the lollipop lady here for 20 years or so now. So let's look at some of the things which happen here. Ian just mentioned about cars revving their engines. Mm-hmm. Do, do people sit there revving their engines at you? Don't normally get them revving their engines, but you do get them trying to hedge forward instead of just standing and waiting for us to move and what about cars just simply ignoring you you're standing in the middle of the road do they ignore you oh frequently there's quite a few even with my 
stick standing in the upright position to say I want to come out you just get cars going past and past and past mm. in one spate I could count up to eight at any one time going down before somebody had actually stopped I mean absolutely incredible you, you think the situation has got worse since the influx of mobile phones but also you've seen people doing all things behind the wheel such as shaving yes yeah they've been shaving they've been putting on the makeup combing their hair as well as talking on the phone and changing gear at the same time so mm. no hands on the wheel at all absolutely incredible very personal question but how much do you get paid for doing this job about 200 pound a month so not a lot 200 pounds a month now bearing in mind the abuse that you get have you ever thought to yourself do you know what this is just not worth it anymore no not really i love doing it love my job it was only supposed to be a three month stand in (laughs) and as far as i know the old head is still actively looking for somebody to take over and that was 20 years ago and from what i hear you are the best lollipop lady in the whole of Hertfordshire. well one of four (laughs) one of four you're the best as far as we're concerned (laughs) as far as we're our school is yes so only five drivers were prosecuted last year in Hertfordshire for, for this type of driving behaviour. Do you think it's about time the authorities got tough? Because people like you, you are putting your life at risk every single morning for, for hardly any money. So is it about time that they got really tough? I think so, yes. It needs a lot more respect from the drivers, thinking about what they're doing and understanding that children sometimes get to one side of the road and think, oh, I forgot my book bag, turn around and run straight across. And if I'm still in the road and haven't signalled to say, OK, it's fine for you to go, and that child runs back, well, it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? You're very, very proud of what you do, aren't you? I am, yeah. I absolutely adore it. Love it. Nice baseball cap and nice lollipop. I mean, do you ever take that home with you? No, it stays at school with all my uniform apart from half term, end of terms when I take my uniform home and wash it. But the lollipop always stays at school. Justin, Justin, mm. Justin, can you ask Bernie, has she ever pretended to lick it as though it were a real big lollipop? Seriously. <laughs> All the questions. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I okay. would. Now, now Bernie, yeah. th- this lovely lollipop here, mm. w- which you love very much, personal question for you. Mm. Have you ever tried to lick that lollipop? No, but I've got several children that have. Yes! <laughs> there you go. Has that answered your question, Ian? It has answered the question, <laughs> Bernie, thank you so much for your time. You're about to start working all of the, what, what three and a half minutes, uh, mm-hmm. 20 years service here. Keep up the good work. Hopefully, uh, the message today is to, to respect you. Hopefully, people will listen to that. Thank you so much. That'd be lovely. Thanks very much. There you go. Thank Bernie, you. joining us live on Three Counties with, um, obviously, a serious message, but yep. um, also at the end, uh, talking about uh, people licking her lollipop. <laughs> Can I just say, listen, I, I genuinely love lollipop ladies. Mm. I think they do a cracking job and they're overlooked if you see a lollipop lady today go up to them and just say thank you because oh, I, I, think, will do. I, I think not you particularly justin but the listener you can do it as well of course i think they do a cracking job and i'm, I'm genuinely shocked and disgusted that they they get abuse and hassle yeah. and stuff like that not good well i mentioned to you earlier on that, that my mum was yeah. a lollipop lady i have seen it all i know they get paid hardly anything at all and every single day they are going out and they are putting their lives at risk and i think it's about time that people respected them i think we're talking here ian about a few extra seconds that is all we are talking about i don't think personally that is too much to ask anyway justin i'll see you later on for our race it's not a race we're being assessed in our driving justin dealy there fantastic as always thank you very much we're asking about walking out gary barlow walks out of the x factor yeah. Uh, what have you walked out of? M on the email says, A few years ago, I bought my best friend tickets to see and hear Katie Melua at a concert in Cambridge. It was quite costly, but it was for a special reason. We were herded like cattle in the venue, and after what seemed like hours, she still had not sung. So we walked out. 
As we went through the bar, she appeared. Too late for us to enjoy the event. Never again will I go to a concert. You'll never go to a concert ever again. I have got four, five, five concerts lined up in the next month. I've got three Mike Nesmith concerts. He's one of the monkeys. I've got four, but I can't go to one. I'm going to see J-Lo with my wife. Um, what else? I'm going to see the monkeys in New York. I've got loads lined up. I don't normally have that many. It's very, very busy time for me. Right. Enough of me showing off. On FM, AM and online. BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next half an hour, we'll have the latest news on the disappearance of uh, missing five-year-old April Jones. And, uh... On a completely different tangent, we're talking about carry-on films. They're awful, weren't they? And they were awful. As was Forty Towers, as was Only Fools and Horses. They just were, they're just not funny. Just, just, just take a step back. They're not. Oh yeah, Del Boy. He falls through that bar and triggers an idiot, and the chandelier falls down. Right? And oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number uh if you want to give me a call now it's um been all the papers all over the weekend and it's just, it's just a tragic story it's a week today since the disappearance of the five-year-old schoolgirl april jones who went missing from outside her home in the welsh town of mckinlith uh, later on this morning 46 year old mark bridger will appear in court charged with her murder and the search for april continues with 100 specialist police officers now involved I'm joined by BBC Wales reporter Stephen Fairclough, who's outside the Leisure Centre in McKinleth. Uh, good morning, uh, Stephen. Good morning. First of all, tell us about the latest developments in the search. Well, the search is continuing. It's something that the uh, police are very keen to, to stress, that they are determined to find April and bring her back to her family, even though... Um, there is very little hope of finding her alive at this moment in time. In fact, what has happened is that um, the search is changing somewhat. The mountain rescue teams who have been working very hard over the last week or so have decided there's very little that they can do now. 70 square kilometres they've been searching in very difficult conditions. It's, it's pouring with rain here again this morning and they've been searching very rough terrain. They feel that they, they can't contribute anything else at the moment. So they are withdrawing. They will return, though, if there is a, a reason for them to come back and the police feel that it's necessary. What's happening now is that there's a change in the way the search is happening. The number of specialist police officers are being increased. It's going up to 18 teams. That's around 100 officers in total. They're going to be focusing their search now on the town of McHuntleth itself and also on the river, River Dovey, which runs by the side of the town, and also the Dovey Estuary. The search teams themselves have been looking around the town. It was very noticeable yesterday. They were looking um, in small teams of two or three, but uh, lifting bins, looking along walls, in alleyways, um, and drain systems, in order to just try and find some sort of clue to try and find April and, and bring her back to her family so that they can uh, try and move on to the next stage. There was a church service, wasn't there, yesterday for April? There was. Uh, you will have seen... The pictures on the television over the last week of the tremendous search effort that's been going on from the community here in Mechantleth, uh, very much community that's come together both in this town and in surrounding towns. Uh, the pink ribbon, which has become the symbol of April, can be seen tied to, uh, to street furniture, to all sorts of 
things in, in towns 30 miles away from here. But yesterday, the people of Machantlith wanted to come together. Uh, around a 1,000 people gathered on the estate where April lived and held a moment's silence before walking silently through the town towards the uh, towards the church in the town to have that special service. All you could hear were the birds in the sky and the sound of trudging feet. There were young people, children almost the age of April, right up to very senior citizens making their way in silence towards the church. There was a lot of emotion. Around a thousand people tried to cram their way into the church, into the churchyard, and also into the streets surrounding. The service was relayed out on loudspeakers. There were cracks in the voices of many of those participating. There were tributes paid to the search teams, to April's family, to, to April herself, and everybody that has been involved in this week. A lot of people found it very difficult. There was there's certainly a, a large number of tears amongst people, uh, parents comforting children, other people just holding each other. But afterwards, some of the people I spoke to said that they were very pleased at the march and that the service had happened in order to make sure that that feeling of community continued and that feeling of mutual support continued and, of course, the support for April's family. Can you tell us uh, any more, Stephen, about Mark Bridger's appearance in court today? Well, Mark Bridger was arrested last Tuesday, uh, just less than 24 hours after April uh, vanished. He was arrested um, on the outskirts of Machantlith, he was questioned in the police station throughout last week. He was then arrested on Friday on suspicion of murder. Over the weekend, the Crown Prosecution Service had decided that they considered that there was enough evidence to charge him both with murder, with child abduction and with perverting the course of justice. Those charges will now be put to him in a formal court of law this morning. He'll make the short distance from Aberystwyth Police Station which is about 30 minutes away from here in Machantlith. He'll make that short journey from the police station in Aberystwyth to the magistrate's court, and there those charges will be formally put to him. It's likely to be a very short process this morning, but it will start that legal process going. Stephen Fairclough, um, our BBC Wales reporter, thank you very much for that. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh dear. Just a saddest story, isn't it? Just a saddest story. OK, we were talking earlier on uh, about the roadworks in Dunstable. We did a little report on Friday where we had some of the businesses, including uh, a chip shop, um, which does cracking pickled eggs, by the way. I had two of them. Thank you very much. Uh, the business was down 40%. Um, Elizabeth is in Luton. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning. Have you, you've seen these roadworks, have you? I have. I see them quite a lot. And wh- what do you make of them? Do they affect you in any way? Well, I do try and to get across the road. Um, I used to cross from Astor's side to the park and to go up to my friends, and they've taken away the crossing. So how do you do it? How do you get across? What do you do? Well, you have to... Uh, I have to wait, because there's buses parked there. There's a bus stop and you have to keep looking to see if there's anything coming. Mm. And then when, when you think it's clear, then you go. But you don't know, something could come along. But it doesn't sound particularly safe, does it? No. And you can't go the other way because all the road works is the other way. And without wishing to sound rude, Elizabeth, and I don't want to know any numbers, I'm guessing you're perhaps not as sprightly as, as you once were. Well, no. I, I mean, I do a lot of walking, but I mean, I'm, I am a, a senior citizen. Mm. And... I feel sorry for mums with pushchairs. Yeah. 
trying to get across to the park. We spoke to um, Ray uh, last week, who is a blind gentleman who calls the show and has got a, a, an infectious uh, laugh. And he was he's had trouble trying to get across the road with his guide dog because there is no crossing. And in the end, the builder had to come and help him. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that the, the, the council have taken pedestrians into consideration while doing this? No. Elizabeth in Luton, thank you very much. If you've got a view on that, you can give us a call. Now, listen, come on, I don't want to fall out with you about this, okay? But carry-on films are not funny. We were force-fed them. As a kid growing up, in the 70s and the 80s, I was force-fed carry-on. You're like this. Oh, it's the one where they're in a, in a Spanish holiday resort. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, it's the one where in the jungle. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's the one where they're spies. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Why? It's not funny. Re is in Flittick. Re... Do you yeah. like carry-on films? No, I don't. Yes. No, they're, they're pathetic. They're, they're boring, they're outdated. Um, no, it's just not funny. I agree with you totally. The thing is, if you say you don't like carry-on films, I've had, I've had abuse this morning. It's like you're, you're saying, you know, that we should shoot the Queen or something. It, it's blasphemy <laughs> to say something like this. I don't think that, by the way, just before you, anyone gets upset. It's, it's blasphemy <laughs> in this country to say you don't like carry-on films. But they're not very good, are they? No, they're not. They're not at all. No. And ignore them callers. You're right. I agree with you totally. They, they shouldn't even be allowed to be put on the telly. What a waste <laughs> of TV license money. <laughs> they totally are a waste of TV. Okay, Ree, listen, we, we've, we've got on so far. I'm going to try something else now. Okay. 40 Towers. Mm. All right, I, I do still chuckle at that. I Ree, do. thanks very much for calling in. We started off so well, and then I had to cut her off for her outrageous views that Forty Towers is funny. Thank you very much, Ray, for agreeing with me on the carry-on. It's not funny. It's awful. Uh, Sue has emailed him, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Uh, George Osborne is talking about making £10 billion cuts uh, in benefits, and one of the suggestions is that people under the age of 25 should not get housing benefit. Sue has written, housing benefit for the over-25s only. Then there'll be a lot more children forced to live at home. Poor parents will be selling up, moving into a one-bedroom flat and giving the kids cash to move out. Why doesn't this government just reintroduce the workhouse now as they want to stop all help for the poorest in society? Uh, Joe is in Letchworth. Joe, you must agree with me on carry-on films. They're awful, aren't they? No. Well, they so? are awful, but they're so awful. They're fantastic, Ian. Oh, Joe... Joe, like, Joe, 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 Joe. Ian, Ian, Ian. Listen, you were br- me and you are roughly the same age, and we were brought up. Well, hang like on. I say, with how old are you? I'm 37 now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm about that. Yeah. So our parents <laughs> brought us up. <laughs> our parents brought us up, and basically, we were subjected to it day in and day out. Yes. When you compare what was some of the other stuff that's on telly, mate, it's it's awful. But it, the good thing about the Carry On, it was so bad that it was good. But the no, it, it, was, it didn't cross on. that line. It didn't cross the line from being bad to being good. It was just awful. It looks so shoddy. It's it's filmed cheaply. The scripts are awful. They're made on a shoestring. The acting's terrible. But do you know what? At the time, it was fantastic, and it was. If, it, if they were that bad, then how come they made so many? And how come they steep? You know, we still keep sort of watching them again and again and again. They are bad, but yeah. they're bad because, you know, they, they were polit- politically incorrect. There was, um, like I say, they were dreadful, but they, but they, that's British. That was us, you know what I mean? And we loved them. And you, you can't knock them in. You've got to admit, there were some very, very funny clips. I can't, I, honestly, I'm not saying this to be contentious. I cannot think of one bit in a carry-on film that made me laugh out loud. 
you, 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 the first one was it Carry On Matron, the bit where um, where Sid, Sid James walks on and says, oh, what a lovely pair to Barbara Windsor. <laughs> right, and he's talking about her breasts, yeah? Yeah. But that's, it, it, that's it, though. That's it. It's all boob jokes. Exactly. But you know what? It was it was very sort of slapstick humour, but it was, you know, it was a bit like, you know, Benny Hill was very, very similar to it. But again, it was it was what we found funny. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. But you look at... You look at some of it, some of the stuff we watch on now, some of the the, 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 the attempted comedies. You know, he had some had some good actors in the Carry On films. All right, they were overacted, but you know what? They, it, it was still good fun. Ken, Kenneth James. Who was Kenneth James? I'm oh, sorry, not Kenneth James. Yeah. I'm thinking of Perry. Ke- Kenneth Williams. Yo, Kenneth Williams. Joe, I'm afraid I, on a technicality, I have to let you go, sir. Kenneth James, for goodness sake. So, Kenneth Williams was a fantastic actor. Fantastic. But even he, if you want a good read, read the Kenneth Williams diaries. Oh, they're a great read. In fact, you know, I might dig those out and read those again. They are a great read. He hated the carry-on films. I think he got paid something like £5,000 a film, which is nothing. He hated them, but he was too scared to turn them down in case he'd never get another piece of work. Awful films. 8.46, Monday the 8th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The government is being asked to look again at its decision to choose a foreign firm to build a brand new fleet of trains for Thameslink in the wake of the bungled West Coast rail deal. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will set out ways a further £10 billion could be cut from the welfare budget in a speech to the Conservative Party conference this morning. Sport. The South African cricket team manager Mohamed Musaji has hit back after the chief uh, hit back after the chief executive of the ECB, David Collier, suggested the South African team provoked Kevin Peterson into sending them provocative me- uh, messages. Your weather across beds, hearts and bucks. It's cloudy with the chance of patchy rain, but becoming brighter in the afternoon. Top temperature is 12 degrees and coming up. You may have personal experiences with hospices. If you have, you'll know just how important they are. But they are finding it difficult to raise the money needed. Hear more next. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, hundreds of people receive help and support every week from more than 10 hospices in the three counties, but the charities are finding it increasingly difficult to raise the funds needed. Leanne Bircham is Director of Nursing at Willen Hospice in Milton Keynes. We only get 23% of our funding from the NHS. The rest we have to raise ourselves with our incredible fundraising team. But what people don't realise is this is seven days a week, 365 days of the year. But when you get to Tuesday at 11 o'clock, the money runs out. To have people here all the time, during the night, at three in the morning when our patients need them... The money has gone by then, and we're on our own, and that money is completely self-generated by the staff here. Well, Lisa Seacombe is the Director of Fundraising from Isabel Hospice in Wellingarn City. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. I would imagine that it... it, it, Don't take this wrong way. Hospices are not particularly sexy kind of charities, are they? Is that part of the problem? It is indeed. Many people associate us with people that are older, um, which is not the case. We actually care for patients that are 18+. plus. How difficult, because everyone is finding it difficult to raise money at the moment because of of cuts and because of of just everyone is a bit skint. How difficult are you finding it in particular? It's always an ongoing issue, recession or no recession. You never, ever take the support for granted. And it's about getting the message out there that we do need the support. Mm. Uh, what do you have to do to keep the money coming in? It's a constant battle, is it? It's a, yes, it's a daily thing. We will do 
anything and everything within a reason, um, which is traditional fundraising events, mm. things that are, are a bit obscure. At the moment, we're doing Win a Car for Christmas, which is oh, a pound hello. a ticket. Hang on a second. What car? What, is it a good car? Oh, yes, it's a Ford car. I'm, I'm in. I'll have it. A pound? I bought some tickets with me. Okay, I'm, I'm in. I'll have some of that. I'm not allowed to carry money on me in the studio, of We course. take checks and visa. <laughs> You're terrible. Fantastic. Good for you. What other kind of things are you doing? We have a Dickensian ball, which is December the 8th. Yeah. Um, we do those about every three years because it's a high uh, generation of income um, and there isn't the money to sort of sustain that mm. on an annual basis. We do lots of recycling. So we have um, 15 charity shops. So you could sort of donate your items. You know, we actually take things like a single shoe a jumper with a hole in because we make money by recycling those so we can make money from anything no hang on a minute you've made a mistake there a single shoe oh absolutely what are you gonna do with a single shoe what we do is where we, we send them away and we get money per tonnage for those sorts of things that aren't good enough to sell in our shop so we wow. really can make money from anything do you have do, I, I, maybe you don't know this do you, how much money do you need per year 4.2 million to provide our clinical care and does, that doesn't all come from donations, does it? Is it do you get something from the government? How does it work? Right. We get about a third of our money from the government, yep. which is about 1.6 million. Yep. So 2.6 million is raised between uh, my department, which is the fundraising department, and also trading, which will be our shops and our lottery. Mm. That's that's just relentless. Do you never just take a step back and go, oh, I, can't, I can't do this anymore? No, that would be like saying we can't do the care anymore, which we can't do that. How many people do you help? We've helped 3,700 patients and their families in the last 12 months, which has gone up about 1,000 over the last couple of years. And you you raise an interesting point there, because it's not just about the people staying in the hospice, is it? It it is about the families as well. Oh, absolutely. How do you help those, help the families? We help those with bereavement support. So the the moment a patient passes away, the care can continue for two to three years. It's basically until the family members no longer require us. Mm. And I, I, listen, I've, I've been in hospices, and I know that this isn't the case. But people, I will imagine, will, will think that they are pretty miserable places. Oh, it's not, are they? far from the truth. Yeah. Far from the truth. It's a, it's um, with, you know, considering what happens there, it's a very sort of happy atmosphere. The nurses are lovely. We have um, volunteers on our reception desk who are just amazing people. Mm. That in itself, that saves us approximately fifty-eight thousand pounds a year by mm. them volunteering their time just for that area. Well, listen, I think you do a cracking job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is there, is there a website or anything that people can go and d- donate money to? Oh, absolutely. We've got www.isabelhospice.org.uk um, and they can find all details about the forthcoming events and how they can support us on there and also if they need our he- help on patient care side. Fantastic. Uh, Lisa Seacombe, thank you very much thank for coming you. in. Thank you. Best of luck with it. Lisa Seacombe is Director of Fundraising from Isabel Hospice in Welling Garden City uh, and Nick Coffer is taking a closer look at the work of our local hospices throughout uh, his show this week from 12 today he's joined by the chief executive of willen hospice across beds hearts and bugs this is bbc three counties radio there we go fantastic now justin dealey um is out and about you may be on your drive back from doing the school run this morning so you may have seen justin spare a thought for the lollipop men and women that hopefully you stopped for because some of those helping children cross the road in hertfordshire are being i, I, I am amazed by this verbally abused and harassed by drivers or well, the drivers are failing to stop and they're just driving around them 
Well, last year, five motorists were prosecuted for failing to stop. We sent our uh, reporter, Justin Dealey, out. He's been watching motorists outside Ultra Primary School in Watford, where the lollipop lady there has been subject to abuse. Justin, what have you seen today? Well, I have to say, apparently today has been quite a good day, yeah. Ian. because they uh, know you're there, that's why. Quite possibly. Um, certainly, from what I've seen this morning, being here with Bernie Newland, who's been the lollipop lady for, for 20 years now, I've seen cars certainly driving faster than 30 miles an hour. Uh, a few people on their mobile phones. But, but in terms of her directly, now, what she tries to do, she obviously tries to go into the middle of the road when it's safe. Now, you will see her edging out. Now, when some motorists see her edging out, what they would do, they would then speed up. Aye. And I've seen that twice. I was morning. always taught, if you saw a lollipop lady looking, hovering by the side, you stop. <laughs> of course you do, you stop. Well, not here and certainly not at wow. other schools as well. I've certainly seen that. I've been talking to some of the parents as well. Just a moment ago, I had a, a brief conversation with Julie Hill. Uh, she has one child at the school. The worst has been her standing in the middle of the road and a car not even stopping and just going along the side of her. I mean, when you're seeing that, you must be in shock because where's the patience, where's the respect? There is no respect for some... Some of the parents have got... Or people driving past have got no respect for her, even though she stands out to everybody. I mean, she's doing this job, as she mentioned earlier on, for £200 a month. You must admire her for doing that because she's putting her life at risk every single day. Yeah, she is the best lollipop a school could possibly have. And she could tell you the name of every single child that yeah. goes through that door every day. I've noticed that myself. a lot more respect than what yeah. she gets. So, just lastly, what do you think has got to be done? Because if people are still ignoring her, and you've seen her almost knocked down, what's got to be done to, to hopefully stop this? They could do with a zebra crossing or some calming things or something along this road, because this road is madness. So a few ideas there from Julie, and again, she has seen the lollipop lady abused here. So nothing new to her, but mm. uh, hopefully something will be done. Five prosecutions in Hertfordshire in the last year, as far as these parents are concerned. And of course, Bernie, that is simply not good enough. Uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, the change in language. The, 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 the mum you spoke to there, they're not lollipop ladies anymore, they're lollipops. Yes. <laughs> and I keep saying lollipop lady, because I, and I know there are gentlemen that do the job, and God bless them for doing it. I can't think I've ever seen a lollipop man. They are few and far between. I think I saw one in Buckinghamshire many, many years ago, um, but that's about it. I think it's, um, you know, stereotypically uh, a job for ladies to do, and, and Bernie, £200 a month, and when you think that she's putting her life at risk every single day to mm. do this for £200, a month all we're asking for and certainly the council all they're asking for is a little bit of patience that's all it's funny what, what was said then because i remember uh, the, our lollipop lady when i was at primary school she knew all the kids names and it was a it was a uh, part of the excitement of the morning mm. was going to see her and she'd hold your hand and walk you across the road and it was a joy it was a joy well kids love them parents love them it's just the motorists who don't justin Dealey, i shall see you later on for our drive off yes looking forward to it looking forward to uh yes beating you convincingly <laughs> a ta-ta oh we appear to have lost justin there i don't know what happened there we're having a little drive off we're having our driving assessed um, by a professional today to see who is the best driver. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, full of bravado. I'm a little bit anxious about it. I have checked. They can't take our driving licence away from us if we don't do very well. The, the, the driving licence stays with us. Speaking of lollipop men, Cynthia in High Wycombe. You're, you're not a lollipop man, are you? Oh, no, no, no. But you know one. <laughs> yeah, my granddaughter started um, Highworth Nursery yeah. on the 26th of September. And um, we met a nice lollipop man. Oh, fantastic. Yes. He's really nice, you know. He know, he makes the children feel safe and everything. But some of the drivers, you know, they sort of tut. 
and some of them, you know, they do want to whiz past him and everything. So you see, you see some of these people being impatient. Oh yes, it's, I'm, I feel quite scared actually. Yeah. I feel safer at the cross with my granddaughter on my own than with the lollipop man. It seems <laughs> incredible. What you've got to wait? What another forty seconds, and you can't be bothered to wait that long. I know. It's terrible. Because I think they do a cracking job. And also, even more importantly than the lollipop man or woman, it's kids. It's primary school kids going crossing the road. Of course well, you've got to wait. Well, that's what I mean. It could be one of their children, you yeah. know. Cynthia, listen, thank you very much for letting it's us know right. about the lollipop man there. We've, we have found a lollipop man. Or lollipops, as they're called. Now, I, I, I've, I, I'm struggling. I don't think I've ever seen a lollipop man out and about. I shall keep my eyes peeled. Although, obviously, I'm doing this when they're out in the morning, and I'm generally having a doze when they're out in the afternoon, so it'll be a long time uh, before I get to see them. But uh, if, you're, if you are a lollipop person, well done you. And if you see one today, if you drive past one, if you're walking past one, you're taking your kids to school, or your grandkids to school, could you just go up to them and just say, look, we hear you get a lot of stick. We want to say thank you very much. You do a cracking job, and well done you. 200 quid a month, and it turns out they're having cans chucked at them, bottles, bags of chips. It's not nice at all, is it? Let's just give them a little bit more respect. And I think we've got the results of the vote in. Yes, it's been proven that uh, carry-on films are not funny. The official statistics are in, and it would seem that uh, they are not funny at all. And uh, I, I suspect we've fallen out with a lot of you. And also, 40 Towers and Only Fools and Horses. Really. You know you know they're no good. Sharon says, Ian, open all hours. Not funny. It's true. G-g-g-granville. Stephen Aylesbury, you rotter. Sorry. <laughs> rotter. Carry on is the best. My favourite has to be on the buses. Bet you don't like that either. Nope. And Liz. Liz will have the final word on this, I think. I agree. Carry on films are so outdated. They were funny in their time, but not anymore. Ah, thank you, Liz. I wish I could tell you what Justin just said in my head, but I daren't. Justin's up next. I'm back tomorrow at six. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and... Jonathan, sorry. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I do, I do apologise. You go away for one week and look what happens. Sorry, Dave. Carry on. Thank you, Barbara. 